This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here along with Terry South and Jeff Simpson. The gang's all here and we are ready for another great show, another great day for you. Top of the morning to you. Uh, boy, uh, still at it when it comes to football and the president. Last night, uh, last night's game um, between Arizona Cardinals and the Dallas Cowboys, again taking a knee. Yep. Not and you know, president even, not liking it. Even more Jerry, booze. even Jerry Jones took a knee. Yeah, and even that Jerry was difficult. Jones. You know how hard it is for Jerry Jones to get down <laughs> on then, one knee. And then as the camera panned, there was like an equipment guy that just sort of like leaned at the hip. It's yeah, like, come yeah. on, man. Jerry Jones is on a yeah. knee. The man's in but his eighties. He, he probably has a dual knee replacement. You right. know, everybody on the sidelines has a knee problem. Probably at, at some point in their life. Even the water boy, yeah, has a Gatorade knee. But then pull. they <laughs> they stood up with linked arms for the actual anthem. Yeah. And I mean, when they knelt down, there's just a raining of booze coming out of the crowd. Well, and, and and Donald Trump said the most booze he's ever heard in the history of the world. Something to that effect. Some, yeah. Like it's such a big statement because. How do you know? Yeah. See, I'd, isn't linking arms during the national anthem even more unifying? Oh, yeah. That's, you know, the Rockettes used to do that. I mean, and, imagine everybody at a baseball game just standing up and holding hands during the national anthem. Wouldn't yeah, that be huge? That's really big unifying. I mean, I think I think there's something coming out of this. Even Jerry Jones was one who used to be down on the guys that would take a knee. There was actually talk that the Cowboys organization – had gone to the players and said, don't do this. Ah, really? Not that they'd do anything, but they would prefer you not to. So there was pressure from management to not yeah. kneel down. So no one had ever no one had ever actually knelt down. And so this from was the kind Cowboys of, side. From the team. And so that's, this was kind of a big decision where the whole team decided to, including the owner, who was a yeah. donor to Donald Trump, and to so, do this. And so you wonder if some of this is – this is what they still have to clarify – and I think uh, Joe Cannon brought it up yesterday. Hmm. Are they this is, is this kneeling because you messed with the NFL players? You know, saying trying to single out certain players that should be fired. Now, and we're saying we're all kneeling because we're unified. You mean now? Now, because before it was yeah, pretty clear what they're it was, doing. It was very much. Now about, you're saying it's kind of muddled because you yeah. still is it police brutality? Is it the president? Because who you... wouldn't kneel? Who wouldn't kneel to say don't mess with our players? Don't mess with our people. We're one. Are they, they are have they, the right to speak. We're yeah. one. Are they kneeling in, in just uni- – are they unified with the players yeah. who were kneeling before? I mean it would be really they, powerful yeah. for the, each place to release then a statement of what that meant to them. Yeah. I think that would really help because it's kind of confusing to a lot of people. But, I mean because there are multiple well, issues here. Like don't mess. Don't attack our institution, A. But people have the right to speak. Mm-hmm. That's really A. Then uh, And then also – we may not agree with what they say, but we'll stand by them. They have the right to say it. I mean, just clarify. And many NFL organizations put out press releases over the weekend. Yeah, oh, did on they? this, did they? They didn't like mention the president in any of it. Oh, really? They hmm. just said we're unified with our players. About what? Yeah, about what? See, I, yeah. I don't think the teams huh. want to get. They don't want to dive into the specifics. One, the Seattle Seahawks. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mentioned President Trump in their press uh-huh. release. They so were like they're yeah, unified against, here we go. against Wait, President so Trump. So they put these out before they they took a knee. Yeah, it was before okay. the game started yesterday. Yeah. 
I, it's, I think it's a really important thing. And like we were saying yesterday, I think the NFL has an incredible role to play in helping the violence with blacks and police. Mm-hmm. That I mean, they have a lot that they can do in that regard. And so maybe the NFL even needs to come out and be a leader. Lead. See, in the NBA kind of got ahead of it last year. They didn't want to have people kneeling because they saw that was causing a lot of chaos. Yeah. And, and so every team, everybody walks out for the, all last season, linked arms for the yeah. national anthem as they stood there. So. How much chaos could it create, though? I mean, I could see if they were kneeling down during gameplay, yeah, that would be a problem. You know how hard it is to play kneeling down. <laughs> Actually, I'll bet you somebody like Shaquille O'Neal, he would have had a better free throw average. Probably. He had just knelt down. <laughs> Done anything different, <laughs> yes. <laughs> anything different. Even Mark Anthony, the singer, is getting into this. He's telling Trump in not-so-beautiful words that he needs to be quiet and focus more on what's happening in Puerto Rico, which is... Well, it seems like nothing. Well, I mean, the, there's the, things, but not enough. Well, the, what, the, what they're saying, though, is it's... Uh, what was the words they used? It's like it is a humanitarian crisis, a, uh, a catastrophe, some of the most powerful words about the devastation going on there. Now the dam there has broken, and now more water is going to come flooding down. So is he is he just quoting Trump instead of using his own colorful language? No, no. He was he was actually uh, more colorful. He well, because yeah. he uses the expletive that Trump uses, right? Oh, I think this was a bigger expletive. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. On he a, Trumped, Trump. I guess Trump said, "Gentlemen, get those gentlemen off the field," or something like that. Yeah, he said something. To, this <laughs> this was a word. Yeah. But okay. interesting thing, it's it kind of goes with what we're talking about today, mm. in a way, um, about keeping terrorists off the internet. Mm. Many are arguing they just Twitter just needs to shut Trump down, just shut him off. But would that not be stopping his ability to speak? Now, in many Twitter has a policy when it comes to abuse on their system. Uh, yeah. as people are, and many times Trump has come up right up, right, right up against it, or as many people feel he's crossed the line when it comes to their policy on if you do this, we're going to shut you down and you know kill but your account. Wouldn't it have to be more like hate speech or yeah? What that's has what he the, done? That, that's what they're saying. Is there's certain times where it's like he's right on the edge he's of on hate that speech, edge of hate speech. Oh come and on! And so man. it's a, well, Twitter has to have a line, and they said yeah. the, the line's pretty close. But then there's this thing of they you can't just shut down the president of the United States. Yeah, that you that would know, cause he more does of a problem. Have the nuclear codes, mm. and he knows where <laughs> they live. Well, yeah, you know. But just the you know politically, and then just the just a firestorm they'd have to deal with if they decided that President Trump had crossed, had crossed some sort of line with the some of the well, attacks. Well, if done. we're yeah, terrorists. I mean, tell me how many incidents he started just by throwing out a tweet, including uh, what's his name, Ted Cruz's wife. Right. I mean, everybody from Ted Cruz's wife to John McCain multiple times have been the recipient on top of every issue, the border, mm-hmm. DACA, uh, everybody. So. Has he tweeted Rocket Man or has he just said that in his speeches? Oh, no, he's tweeted it. He's oh, tweeted it. Oh, he's it. tweeted it. And I think he – didn't he sing – didn't he open for somebody singing no, Rocket Man? No, he did not. No. Have Was that you, someone else? Yeah, yeah. Have you seen there's – a, there's a photo going around on Twitter of uh, Kim Jong-un holding the uh, pink backpack – and no. people are getting really creative with Photoshop and putting all sorts of stuff in there. <laughs> it's scary because uh, now North Korea is saying that we have declared war, which means now at any time they have the right to shoot down our airplanes that fly near their space, near their airspace. 
They think we've declared war? Yeah, because Trump said that the North Koreans will not be around much longer, which they're saying is a declaration of war. So all of that. <sighs> do you remember when the presidents didn't Twitter? They didn't tweet. They didn't done do to Twitter. Well, yeah, it was before Twitter. What was that? Just one presidency ago? Yeah. Did Obama tweet? He did, but he tweeted Probably like. Probably not personally. Good stuff? Occasionally he did, but <laughs> oh, it was sure. stuff like, hey, like congratulations for winning the championship, or yeah. here's a kid, here's a person, here's a cause. Yeah. Nothing like, you know. Did we ever think that we'd have a president that was such a, you know, a tweeter? Finish that. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say something else. No, but like he's he's so into tweeting. Really, you need policy, right? You need somebody to say, we don't do that. It used to be like an integrated part of an entire communication yeah, plan. there was a plan. Now you know, it's just his it's mood just in the chaos, morning. Yeah. Just to give you an example, every once in a while you'll go into a bathroom where there's a sign up there that says, please don't flush XYZ down the toilet. Yeah. And they've put that sign up there because somebody's done it, right? And so if they were to come out with some sort of a Twitter policy for the president, it is kind of like – Really? We have to come out with this well, legislation or this rule? It's not a bad rule? idea. They could probably just put it on the wall in his bathroom, and that would eliminate the, the early morning tweet. <laughs> Please do not tweet, Mr. President. Do you remember? And then put a list of everything that's gone down. Anyway, crazy, crazy stuff going on, including in a minute we'll talk, too, I guess, about uh, Hillary Clinton. She's, she's mad because now six people in the White House have been active in their email. So, well, using unauthorized email. Using unauthorized email, which Unsecure is email. the ultimate height of hypocrisy, Hillary Clinton is saying. And well, oh, there's, this is her announcement of that. Last year, about this time, it was the most important thing on the planet. Yeah, do you remember? She had a server. Well, yeah. And, and Comey was involved. There was and, an investigation. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, there isn't an investigation now. Oh, wait a second. Hold on. Is there or isn't there? Uh, yeah. So she's, she's a little ticked now. But who wouldn't be? Hey. But according to Anthony, uh, Mark Anthony, hmm. hey, worry less about that and worry about Puerto Rico. Absolutely. Thank you for cleaning that up, by the way. When in doubt, we can always really, truly worry more about those that are suffering from the tornado or the hurricanes um, than anything else. Let's get to the headlines, Terry. Uh, clean it up for us. What's so going you, on? As you are saying, Puerto Rico on the brink of humanitarian crisis, says the governor. Uh, Ricardo Rosello, after a week of monstrous Hurricane Maria, knocked out the island's supply of power, water, and fuel. The governor's called for Congress to increase funding in order to prevent further disaster. With little response from Washington, people were abandoned for seven days. A resident of a retirement community in San Juan said there were sick people on the floor, thrown here, thrown there. Uh, They're not giving us anything, not even hope. At least come around and give us hope, even if it's a lie. President Trump finally referenced the growing natural disaster Monday night in a series of tweets that apparently tried to uh, blame Puerto Rico's financial issues for its problems. He said something like, you know, Texas and Florida, they've recovered well, but Puerto Rico, they owe a lot of, a lot of money to Wall Street, which will have to be addressed at some point. But, you Hold know, on, we're, he's bringing that up right now. Yeah. And then he's like, well, you know, we're trying to help them with the recovery, but, you know, they have financial issues. It is an unincorporated U.S. territory. Yeah. So maybe it's less, maybe it's more unincorporated than U.S. But territory. they owe a lot of money to Wall Street, so oh, that's that difficult. makes sense. Yeah, if you owe time. money to Wall Street, you'd, you'd probably ought not help anyone. It's okay. kind of con- 
confusing there. Senator Lindsey Graham jumped to Senator John McCain's defense Monday night as President Trump continued to lash out against the Arizona Republican for his opposition to the latest Obamacare repeal bill after Trump posted a video to Twitter mocking McCain's complete turn from years of talk on repealing the Affordable Care Act. Graham told CNN that McCain earned the right to do whatever the back-to-back expletive he wants. That's, yeah. Wow. They were, but, they were Bible swears, but you know. Yeah. McCain earned <laughs> the wrath of Trump by voicing opposition to the Graham-Cassidy bill last week, saying he couldn't in good conscience vote for the last-ditch effort to repeal Obamacare. His opposition followed the July GOP health care bill that he tanked with a decisive no vote. To any American who has a problem with John McCain's vote, all I can tell you is John McCain is willing to die, was willing to die for this country, and he can vote any way he wants to, and it doesn't matter to me, Lindsey Graham said. By the way, the author of the bill. Right. So the the GOP author of the GOP bill that isn't going to pass because of McCain is saying, get off his back. Yeah. He's done more for this country than anyone complaining. It was uh, interesting. Hmm. It was on part of a town hall last night on CNN. Monday night, White House press secretary, or Monday, White House press secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders reassured Americans that President Trump did not actually declare a war on North Korea via tweet. Sanders' statement ran contrary to claims made earlier in the day by North Korea's foreign minister, who claimed that uh, North Korea now has the right to shoot down any airplanes, as we talked about. Mm. Uh, Trump said Saturday that North Korea won't be around much longer if he keeps intimidating America. They thought that was enough to call that as <sighs> well, a uh, didn't threat he of say, war. Didn't he say a few months ago that America won't be around much longer? Could be. Mm. We've not declared a war on North Korea, and frankly, the suggestion is absurd, as they said from the White House. Hold on. Is, is Sarah Huckabee, she's still around? Oh, yeah. Every, you don't, you he don't lo- hear he as much from her anymore. Eh, she's not as um, inflammatory as Sean Spicer Spicy was. was yeah. I bet you the ratings for the afternoon press conference are down also because oh, yeah. she constantly says, we'll get back to you, and then doesn't. Yeah. Well, That's the silliest thing I've ever heard. There you go. An Indiana University freshman doing remarkably well after he was trapped in a cave in southern Indiana for nearly three days. Bloomington native uh, Lucas Cover. A 19 joined the caving club at University of Iowa on uh, a beginner's trip last Sunday to Sullivan Cave, which is about 20 miles south of Bloomington. Somehow he managed to get separated from the group, and when he reached the entrance to the exit cave, he realized the gate was padlocked. They have a gate across the front of the well, cave. Which I think that usually means something. Nah, he's stuck. He uh, said he couldn't get a cell phone signal, so he screamed for hours. He didn't have much food or water, so he licked moisture from the cave walls to stay <sighs> hydrated. <sighs> as soon as I noticed the droplets of water in the cave, it seemed pretty obvious what I had to do, he said. Do you remember when we took Jeff on that tour of that cave and he kept licking the walls it was psychedelic <laughs> he said yeah that's my thought is like what's growing in there he spent most of his time in the cave talking to himself napping and foraging for water he says that his parents texted him monday when he never responded they knew something was wrong and they filed a missing persons report when members of the caving club found out he was missing they went back to the cave and rescued him late tuesday he says he was relieved and he felt lucky to be alive he doesn't plan to go spelunking anytime yeah. soon. right smart kid Smart kid. Nothing better than I like to just put my head right underneath a stalactite mm. and just wait for the mm. drip to just come off. Like, mm. Now, what about a stalagmite? Mm. Don't ever sit on a stalagmite. That's what my mama used to say. It's good advice. Yeah, it, it really is. <laughs> she said that when we went caving, spelunking once. You know, what, you know why they call it spelunking? Why is that? Because that's what it feels like when you hit your head. Spelunk. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> I just made that up right there. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's a spelunking joke. Okay. Uh, you kept calling it caving. 
caving. They do they call, call it. it caving, or I'm do they really sure. call it spelunking? I'm not an expert on the I mean, topic. Spelunking is the official term. Mainly, that story is because the guy was licking a cave wall to stay hydrated. That's his situation. That was pretty desperate. He was totally desperate. <laughs> but who? I mean, yeah. At some point, if you're that thirsty after three days, what, what day was it that he started licking the walls? Probably day one. Yeah. Because I, I believe the, the heightened tension of probable death mm-hmm. makes you thirsty. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Totally. <laughs> well, and he had pretzels. He's <laughs> actually uh, – he's now become Batman. His experience oh, in the really? cave. He's a cave expert. Yeah, you got to watch out for the guano that, in the cave. Wouldn't that be ridiculous <laughs> if you're stuck in a cave and, all, and you have no water? You're really thirsty, and all you have is pretzels. Would that not You're bite? Like, oh, why did I bring these on the you hike? Do, what you do is you just pick off all the salt. Just pick it off. You can get the salt from the stalactite. <laughs> just pick off all the salt. Yeah. And then, yeah, then you just suck on it. That makes me think of the Seinfeld line: "These pretzels are making me thirsty." Don't, I didn't, Nothing. Didn't know that line. Yeah. Mm. Um, speaking of picking off the salt and sucking on pretzels, huh? Jeff's on a new diet. Wow. And luckily, it does not. Uh, it Jeff t- lost like a pound and a half last night. <laughs> he was sweating it off, and he only ate, uh, you know, like five chunks of pineapple. When you're this close and you're worried you're not going to get your goal, your mind will make you believe all sorts of things that probably are not true. You were having like optical illusions? No, like I, when I exercised on the elliptical, I didn't turn on the fan. Because I thought, oh, I'll sweat more if I don't turn on the fan, and then I'll wow. lose more weight. And then I thought, oh, I could really use a soak in the hot tub. And I thought, nope, my body will absorb all that all that water, and will it'll it, add or weight. Would you, I think you'd lose weight. You'd do you sweat. see what Do you see what I'm saying, though? Yeah. These are just the things that you start to believe when you're this close. And then didn't you tell me you had a dream that your pillow was a big marshmallow, <laughs> and you were eating it? Isn't that what you told me earlier? <sighs> there well, may I, or may not be a few bites out of my pillow. How how close, um, <laughs> how close are you? I am point three pounds Holy away. We wow, wow! Thank you. The game. Well, that was for me, not you. No, thank you um, for getting this many people to our show today. Yeah. So the game ends tomorrow. I can weigh in starting Thursday. I can weigh in Thursday or Friday. So I'm going to weigh in probably first thing Thursday morning. Hold on. Why do they have the game end and then they give you like two days to weigh in? There's just some leeway. Oh, that I'm, is such a that's – a, that's not right. Are you discrediting my weight loss? Program? Yeah. It just seems like if, if the tournament ends tomorrow, then we ought to be weighing in tomorrow. No. Because if a coupon expires tomorrow, it's still good tomorrow. Huh? Hmm? Well – Right, but then just have it end. Then it it expires end of night tomorrow. So really, it expires really Thursday. Well, nobody's going to stay up and weigh in at midnight. Oh, aren't they? No. Would you not get if, that thing done? Wake if up if it in the was morning? the lowest weight. Absolutely, I would. <laughs> yeah, go get up and have a really big breakfast. Oh yeah. Anyway. Well, congratulations. I'm going to make think, it. I think you're going to make it, yeah, especially if you don't eat for two more days. That's the plan. That's totally the plan. Hey, up next, we're going to be talking about can the world really ever keep terrorists off the Internet? How much controlling of the Internet do we have? How much control over it do we have? And uh, 
Can you stop it, really? Or is it just something we better get used to? That's straight ahead on The Matt Townsend Show. The Internet can be a dangerous place, especially on social media. There are child predators, serial killers, and even more recently terrorists that are uh, using the Internet to actually lure their, their, their people to their cause. Is it possible to keep all terrorists off the Internet? Here to speak with us today about uh, celebrities and their rights to talk about politics as well as also uh, terrorism. And, and but by the way, we probably ought to throw in there even our president's use of social media. And, uh, you know, some people are alleging or saying that maybe it's time Twitter shuts him off. Is that even realistic? And is it even possible to keep certain uh, conversations from happening online? Our guest is Shantavia Johnson. She's a professor of law at Drake University Law School, and uh, she's been on the show before. Shantavia, thanks for being with us again. Thank you for having me, Matt. I appreciate it. You bet. Is this, is it realistic to think that we can actually, you know, turn off social media sites um, so that terrorists and others can't use it as a platform? As hard as it is to imagine, I, I think there are some instances where it is possible. And we've seen recently Twitter, Facebook, Google using technology to do that. And it's hard to imagine, but I do believe it is possible. Is it something? I mean, because it gets it seems like a, um, it seems like a lot of the social media platforms are are being surprised by certain people, how they're using their sites. Um, even now, we're finding out that Russia had been apparently buying uh ads or using mm-hmm. Facebook to, to imp- impact our elections. Um, and a lot of these organizations, they seem shocked by what's happening. It, do, do, you buy the, do you buy their shock or are they behind the scenes trying to do stuff? What's really happening? You know, I don't buy their shock. But what I do buy is the idea that technology moves so rapidly that it's impossible to predict what's going to happen next. There's a famous professor who said once that technology is neither good nor bad. It's neutral. But like you pointed out a few minutes ago, there are a lot of bad people using technology in, in bad ways. And so I, in what, I, what I think ultimately is that these social media companies, tech companies, um, we as consumers of those products, and our governments really have an obligation to work together to figure out what we want to see online and what we don't, and then work toward those goals. And there are, there are ways that that can happen. In fact, after London's most recent terror attacks, British Prime Minister Theresa May called on other countries to collaborate, collaborate on Internet regulation. Um, is Talk about what, what, could, what they could do. What, what are social media sites uh, able to do? What, what, what are they currently trying to do? Yeah, so that's a hard question because what governments think tech companies can do and what tech companies have said we can do is completely different in a lot of regards. So in terms of what can happen, um, governments and tech companies can work together, and we've seen that start to happen. In fact, just in the past couple of months, we've seen Microsoft, Twitter, Facebook, and Google form a consortium. And this consortium really is designed to combat terrorism online and fake news and other issues that that you alluded to earlier. And what happened just last week is they met 
at the so during the the meetings last week with the UN, the UN General Assembly that took place last mm-hmm. week, they met with European leaders to talk about what could actually happen. Those same companies have met with leaders in the UK to combat violence that that is um, being posted on their social media websites here in the United States. We had for a couple of years a um, a board of advisors, a digital economy board of advisors to the president and the Commerce Department that would also make suggestions to the Commerce Department, to the president, about what should happen with respect to the digital economy, including these questions about privacy and terrorism online and that kind of thing. So we're starting to see more of these public-private partnerships where tech companies and government are talking to each other and working together. Hmm. Now, how successful that is, it's hard to say right now because all of this is new and happening really, really quickly. That's but, true. But those are some things that we see that we see happening. Because I, I guess nobody owns the Internet, right? And so shutting right. it down. But there are some countries, uh, North Korea, for example, China, for example, even the U.S. in certain situations. In your article, you talked about how certain times they, they, they do shut stuff down. Oh, that's certainly right. So in Syria in 2012, Assad shut down the Internet for all of Syria for some say three days, some say a little more or less. Uh, we've seen it in China. And if you've ever visited China, you know if you try to go to your Facebook account, once you get there, you can't do that because China aggressively blocks access to certain, web- I think, 18,000 websites or hmm. more, including Facebook, Google, the New York Times. Wow, all the good ones. <laughs> right, all the good stuff. <laughs> and so you see some countries, and you see that a lot less in the United States, but some countries take very, very strong approaches to what they allow their constituents, their citizens to see. That's interesting because, again, the rest of us are just trying to, you know, outdo our neighbors on social media. But, <laughs> right. but all, you also start to wonder if – if sometimes these these sites are also being scapegoated, you know, for other lack of security or lack of intelligence communication. I mean, especially in Europe, the harder part seems to like organize and to to actually integrate and communicate across all these boundaries, across all the borders. That's exactly right. And it is really tough to say, hey, Internet, you're the problem. There are more than a billion active websites on the Internet. There are, I think, two billion users on Facebook alone. Hmm. So it's impossible for one company, no matter how many people they hire, to be able to say, okay, well, we'll just shut down all the stuff uh, Germany doesn't like, stuff the U.K. doesn't like, stuff the United States doesn't like. So there are a lot of moving parts here. And... um you know, some of these some of these companies have been sued by or and have been taxed by the governments in other countries. So there's probably they probably don't you know want to lift up the skirt. They don't want to show everybody what's going on behind the scenes too, and let government in so deeply. Oh, of course. So I mean, legally, that's got to be a big threat to to their freedom, right? Oh, that's exactly right. Here in the United States, in particular, tech companies have been very, very hesitant to invite the government in to what they're doing and then very hesitant to any proposed legislation that might regulate what they're doing. Now, the U.K., on the other hand, 
has taken a much more proactive approach in terms of considering legislation that might fine companies if they don't get stuff off the Internet within a reasonable amount of time, however that's defined. There's a famous case once in France where eBay was allowing users to sell Nazi memorabilia, which is illegal in France. But, of course, eBay is an American company. Mm. And so there were all these questions about whether a country could stop, an, a, a foreign country could stop an American company from selling stuff on their platform. And so there are all these different ways that you can incentivize tech companies and other Internet companies from allowing stuff to be posted online. But it's really, really difficult to do. And there's been a lot of pushback in that regard. Well, and two, I guess, so that's that's the chaos at the governmental international level. Uh, meanwhile, we also have chaos with how much you can, you know, say with our own, even our own president. Some people are saying that they should shut down his Twitter feed. And um, but, I mean, people have the right to speak. And I mean, I guess to some point until it reaches a level of of terrorist action, um, or hate speech, I guess, it, Twitter and these sites don't intervene? Well, so that's an interesting question. So what you have there really is one of the most difficult intersections between private companies and government and law. So a private company is created, for the most part, in many instances, to be a commercial enterprise, right, to mm-hmm. make money and to say, here's how we're going to do this. Here are our goals, our internal mission statements and that kind of thing. And oftentimes, the goal of making money certainly contradicts with whatever our laws and freedoms say about, as you just pointed out, freedom of speech. And under the First Amendment, I mean, really, you don't have a right to say whatever you want on Twitter, because Twitter is a private platform, and the First Amendment really only applies to government Interesting. And Twitter is not a government entity. So Twitter gets to decide whether they want terrorist accounts on the website, whether Donald Trump gets to tweet about things that may or may not offend large groups of people. And and so we have this interesting interplay where you have government officials, perhaps speaking in their official government capacity, about First Amendment types of matters, on a private platform that mm. we all can see. Ooh boy. That that's interesting. Boy, you could you could really turn upset the apple cart, couldn't you? <laughs> that's certainly right. So with respect to, for example, terrorist content, Twitter recently put out a statement saying in the first half of this year, twenty seventeen, they had removed three hundred thousand accounts that oh, promoted wow. terrorism. And that's a pretty significant decline for for a company like Twitter. So Twitter can decide. There are certain things they just don't allow to be posted. What Twitter has said about Donald Trump's uh, Twitter account in particular is, you know, there's a balance between their internal goals and missions and what they allow people to say and the fact that this is the president. Mm -hmm. So they are matters of public concern. So it's it's a very complicated thing. And um, yeah, and it's it's a, it's something you just probably don't want to mess with. And 
<laughs> because he's also the president of the United States, no matter how many people are are screaming or pulling for it. And I mean, I guess, too, this gets to all types of hate speech. And I mean, how how low does this go as far as the grievances are concerned? Because terrorism is one thing. But what about bullying? What about other, you know, kind of lighter levels of it, but still that impact lives? Yeah, so so when you ask that question, one of the things that comes to mind is the kind of significant cyberbullying that took place with Leslie Jones, who's mm-hmm. an American comedian, an African American woman who was targeted by large, large groups of people with racist comments, sexist mm. comments. They posted nude photos of her after hacking into her cell phone. And lots of Twitter accounts, including very, very popular Twitter accounts, got deleted, got removed, because Twitter as a company has said this type of speech is unacceptable, this type of activity is unacceptable. And so in terms of how low it goes, unfortunately, it goes as low as as we are willing to post online, and by we, I mean society. Yeah, right. So as bad as people are, you know, that's how bad the messages can get. Oh, man. Well, uh, we appreciate your insight. Let's take a break, Shantavia. We're speaking with Shantavia Johnson, um, who is a professor of law at Drake University and is named one of the top 40 young lawyers in the U.S. by the American Bar Association as we walk through the discussion of can the world ever really keep terrorists off the Internet? Learning some very interesting things. We'll continue the discussion up next right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. We are speaking with Shantavia Johnson, who's a professor of law at Drake University Law School, and she's walking us through uh, an article she wrote um, titled, Can the World Ever Really Keep Terrorists Off the Internet? Uh, To a degree, sure. Um, The hard part, I guess, is getting every single one. Shantavia, thank you again for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Matt. So you do say we do have the ability to, to... take off a lot of them. I mean, I guess getting every single one, it's like cancer, right? It's you can mm-hmm. you can get most of it and you can cut a lot of it out, but to get every single cancer cell, you may not be able to get. So, that is a good analogy. I would take it one step further though and say even defining what we mean by terrorism yeah. is difficult. And so when we talk about combating terrorism online and terrorist content, there are so many questions about what we even mean by that. Do we mean any type of video or picture that remotely refers to terrorism? Do we mean something more specific where there's recruitment kind of happening? Hmm. And so there are all of these really, really interesting questions that can't just be answered as a matter of domestic policy. What we think in the United States is considered terrorism could be very different in other countries, whether it's uh, the U.K., whether it's South Africa, whether it's any number of other countries. Yeah, because we've had them talk about it on the show about that some of these sites, they're not actually – they're not recruiting. Uh, they're not like sending the recruiting videos. Some are through Twitter, but they use Twitter as a way, or some of these uh, sites, to aggregate people to find out who is 
isolated, mm-hmm. who is uh, you know estranged from the their their area where they live, and then they work them almost offline. Then they take it offline. That's exactly right. And so some of the technology we're talking about are really apps like Telegram, Signal, WhatsApp, Wicker. These are just communication mechanisms. The same way I might text a friend. Right. And so there's a there's this weird intersection between stuff we do all the time, text each other, send emails to each other, that kind of thing, and what is actually promoting terrorism. And so issues like that, issues like privacy, issues like freedom of speech, which we talked about a bit yeah. earlier, criminal conduct standards, all of those things are at work. Mm. Hate speech. I mean, there's really – there's no end to – to to how difficult this topic is. And so it really tells me for these companies, um, how do they do it? Because, like, how do you write the algorithm that's supposedly mm-hmm. going to eliminate that list that you just gave us? Right. And so that's where I think government partnership is helpful because oftentimes things that we can't define just as a matter of, you know, you and me sitting here talking about, legislators have within certain countries. And so we need partnerships, people working together to answer some of these questions. The other thing you mentioned, though, has less to do with government and even these tech companies and more to do with just figuring out technology. So algorithms are one thing. Artificial intelligence is another. And we're moving toward artificial intelligence in so many ways. And the technology right now really is not that reliable. Mm. The, the, the CEO of Google actually last week at this UN meeting, this it really is like a sideline meeting at the UN, mentioned, well, Google's general counsel, not their CEO, but he mentioned that the technology really has not evolved to a place where you can just say, hey, machine, get rid of all the terrorist content, and it happens immediately. Hmm. Yeah, it's not – it's not it's not going to work that way but it does seem like i mean artificial intelligence is one thing but there's also just human intelligence and some would question but it maybe there's a way that we as citizens could be more actively involved in you know disliking a certain thing or reporting certain sites right and so that that's how facebook actually integrates a lot of their takedown uh, mechanisms with uh, their algorithms. It's by people like you and me who see something online and report it. And they say, hey, Facebook, this shouldn't be online. Now, one of the problems with that is what Matt Townsend thinks should be online and what I think should be online can be very different. So you have to have people, human beings, looking at all of these requests and saying, which ones are legitimate, which ones really do violate our terms of service. And that, and frankly, that's been difficult for Facebook already. A couple months ago, I don't know if you remember, a guy live streamed himself killing yeah. an elderly gentleman. Yeah. Oh, that was tragic. And it was tragic. On on and, Easter and Sunday or something. That's right, on Easter Sunday. And so the algorithms can see, you know, there's a gun mm-hmm. in this video. A person looks like they're dying in this video. Is it real? Is it a movie? Is yeah. it artistic? Is it whatever? And, and so it's difficult already for for us as human beings to identify this stuff. Way more difficult for machines in some regards. And going hand in hand with that from the terrorism standpoint 
is these calls recently, particularly by European leaders, that, that these tech companies should get rid of this stuff within two hours of it being posted online. If, it, if they can keep it off of the Internet completely, that's really what these uh, presidents and prime ministers and right. other leaders want. But if they can't, they want it off of the Internet within two hours, which is incredibly difficult for a lot of reasons. Well, and it's funny. I mean, it's funny because uh, a lot of these sites can get my credit card the minute it expires within two hours. They'll shut down my <laughs> services, but they can't. Right. They can't shut down a terrorist site. But it, it is. It's so complicated. One of the things that I find, I guess, ironic about the whole situation is the internet really came to be, um, didn't it? And, and has really been magnified because. People, it was people running it, people connecting to people. So there wasn't one just government entity. There wasn't one government owner of the internet. And it was, it's really about people. Um, and it seems like if we try to, the minute you try to go take it over with more, you know, structuring from governments, they're just going to have a workaround. They're just going to find another way through it. Yeah. And so. It spoke, what you just described really is something called cyber libertarianism, hmm. which is Internet freedom, essentially. Right. And it's the belief that people should be at liberty to pursue whatever they want on the Internet, good or bad. Yeah. And the less intervention from government, the better. But it, when the Internet was created, which you kind of alluded to, it was really created as a U.S. government program a Department of Defense-type program where people could engage with other people. And so we have a lot of tension between what the Internet was envisioned as and what it has become. into. That's exactly right. Hmm. Boy, and you can – well, I mean, with WikiLeaks, with all of these other things that are anti-government, um, mm-hmm. it's – you know, it really does show you that there's there's some reins that are hard to get on there, and there is this libertarian kind of mentality out there about it. What do we do as parents? Um, what can we do to make sure we are making it safer for our kids and safer for um, our families? Well, so the the big picture and the and kind of what we do day to day, I think are. Similar but different. So from the big picture, what can we do? If you're a Facebook user or a Twitter user or a LinkedIn user or whatever, mm-hmm. you can say to those companies, whether it's by email or tweeting them or reaching out to them, this is what I find acceptable. This is what I find unacceptable. We can hold those companies to certain standards the same way we do with our elected officials in some regards. We can vote for people who um, are talking about these things in the way that we want, whether it's through privacy concerns, First Amendment concerns, that kind of thing. Mm. Whether it's votes that talk or money that talks, those things do make a difference in terms of what happens. So, for example, Facebook got a lot of backlash because of these violent videos, murders and rapes and everything else showing up on their website. And users said, this is unacceptable. So Facebook has made a lot of changes, frankly, in the past year. Um, from In terms of like a day-to-day type of thing, uh, you can limit the types of websites that you visit. You can limit the types of posts that you allow to come into your home through your devices. 
uh, something you mentioned earlier. If you see something that you think is inappropriate, don't just say, oh, man, that's inappropriate and keep scrolling. Report that thing. <laughs> right. And so, so these companies can keep statistics and data about what their users are saying they don't want to see. And, and if enough people say this is not what we want to see on the platform, trust me, at some point policies will be implemented so that at least certain groups of people won't see that type of content. That's right. Man, Shantavia, we appreciate you. Great insight. And, uh, again, Shantavia Johnson doing what, doing what she can to uh, keep us safe. She's a professor of law at Drake University Law School. And you can find out more by going to her website, shantaviajohnson.com, uh, to get uh, more from her wonderful work. We'll continue the journey, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, tech, it's just, it's confusing. Every day it's changing. We talk about uh, AR, IR, VR. JR. JR Ewing, I think he got shot. Yeah. I don't even know if we solved that problem. I th- I thought you did last week, actually. Yeah, it was his girlfriend. Well, now I don't have to see the show. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> I'd let it go. There's a lot of other things <laughs> I might put in front of it. Uh, not that we don't love the show Dallas, but um, what do you do? Because so do you do I, I personally don't believe you can just take everything off the Internet that's bad. Why? Well, how? Because these are the same people that are taking all of our secrets and then exposing them to the world. Right. right. WikiLeaks, places like that. They're they're the ones the, the people behind it that are running it are the ones also that know how to get all the information. So mm-hmm. to what degree can you actually ever get rid of all terrorism? You can't. It's not going to happen. But if you don't know it exists, then it doesn't. So if you just don't use the Internet anymore, huh? The, the other mm, problem would be <laughs> Facebook and Twitter will jump out and they'll find an account They'll, they'll flag it as, okay, this is obviously terrorist content. Right. They'll shut it down. That person that had that account then goes right back in, and you can set up five more accounts in like 10 minutes, you're done. Right. And you're just back to work. Right. Well, and cranking they, out that material. And then they, they send you an email saying, we're not terrorists. We're just CNN, and everyone thinks we're terrorists. Right. But if a tree falls in a forest and nobody's there to hear it, did it really make a noise? Hmm? Yeah. People people feel Says like you. on um, – what is it? On Twitter that if you could actually make the person have to use their real name when they post. Ah. Because you can put aliases and stuff. Interesting. If you use your real name, then that will slow this down and I don't think it will because you could just make up a name that looks real. Well, it, but if you had to like have a vera, a vera sign name that you have signed right. in, that is your identity, then every site you ever create has the extension at – Matt at Dr. Matt Townsend. Well, if my name were on certain things and if you could only respond as yourself, mm-hmm. that might change some things. I always appreciate when, uh, when Prince Mumbabi of Africa emails me and uses his real name mm. and asks, uh, well, yeah, it does it tells me you? that I've won a, a ton of money. Well, yeah. And then you send your money to him, right? So you can get your so you can get your money. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like it when they give you their name so that way you can look at them up and get the right address to send your money to. Oh, yeah. That's so – Nothing uh, worse than when you want to help somebody out mm-hmm. and you like want to send thousands of dollars so that you can eventually get your millions and yeah. yet you don't have their name or where you don't know where to send the money. And bless them, those people that, that need money, they, they just don't have the grammar skills that they need. I know. It's, I think it's cute. Yeah. It's endearing. <laughs> I feel so much closer to them that I want to just send them money. Anyway, folks, uh, don't fall for all the tricks and watch out. Let's, let's be the we – we can guard our own internet use, right? Let's just get better ourselves at it. That's the goal. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here along with Terry South and Jeff Simpson. The gang's all here as we uh, give you the latest, the greatest information to give you a leg up in life. Today will be no exception. We are going to do what we can to help you uh, get through, I guess we're calling it kneeling gate. What are we calling this whole kneeling episode (laughs) with the NFL? Have they got a name officially for it yet? I saw Trevor Noah on The Daily Show call it the art of the kneel. (laughs) Ooh, that's good. Ooh, that's a really good. I, I, I read a book similar to that once. You read it? No, I never did, actually. I, I wonder how many people have actually read Trump's book. Tens of millions. Because there's all these people who are like, I've read the book. I know what it says. Like, really? Do you? Have you actually read well, the book? Well, think about it, though. There are a lot of people that read books like that because they want to be a billionaire. And they okay. think yeah. the art of the deal or the art of the Neil, mm. his second version. Do you consider listening to it as reading it? No. You don't? Interesting. Not. Well, because you'd be listening to it. Hmm. So we probably would have to clarify listening and reading it. Hmm. And or reading it. Does Trump read the book on the audiobook? That's really know. what I would like to know. <laughs> that would that would almost be worth listening to. Or maybe somebody that does Trump. A good Trump impersonator. A good Trump impersonator. There's mm-hmm. more and more of those coming out. Yeah. I mean now you can go have people that sound like Trump and they'll they'll do your um your recordings for your phones. No. Oh. It looks like there are two different narrators. Oh, okay. so I don't know if I don't know if that means somebody else does the forward. He has gone by an alias from time to time. Is it Kaleo Griffith? <laughs> Is it uh, what I was the guy's name? John Stewart? No, no, that's no, no. someone else. Uh, yeah, he'd call the New yeah. York Post, <laughs> acting as Trump's PR guy when it was obviously Trump that was on the phone. I'm guessing maybe he voiced the forward. Oh, okay. Because it's some other guy that narrates it. Boy, okay. It's everybody's getting involved. Um, and, and by the way, remember, we may be many are thinking that some of this whole kneel down, uh, you know, kneel gate or whatever we're calling it is was more about a distraction so that everyone's not paying attention to the health care bill, which is now, I guess, is it officially dead yet, Terry? Have they have they blown the whistle on? Oh, no, no. Okay, because they've got till Thursday or Friday, I guess, to vote. Saturday is when the uh, the rules that allow the Republicans to pass this with 50 votes plus Mike Pence. Yeah, is Saturday. Those rules expire. After Saturday, they have to get Democrats on board to get to the 60 vote. Yeah. 
We have some audio it of is on life them working on the bill. Uh, let's maybe let's maybe come back. Let's see if they can revive it. Yeah, I don't I don't want to be there for that moment. I think it's tragic. It's clear, <laughs> clear. And by the way, as somebody that has seen that happen, because I was an EMT. That's right. For years, it ain't pretty. Once they're getting the paddles out, it ain't pretty. And uh, by the way, guess who's Part of uh, taking it to its deathbed is John McCain, yeah. Senator John McCain. And now everybody, uh, Lindsey Graham, who's the author of the bill, is even now supporting telling everybody, by the way, it's his bill. Well, but- who on earth is going to say something bad about John McCain now? Other members of Congress. Well, uh, the president. Some, really? Some yeah. of them over the last month or so have both accused his, uh, him of – well, they're, they're saying he's got a he's got a tumor yeah. in his brain, and so they're saying it's either either the tumor, the fact that he has a tumor, no. has motivated him right. to make these decisions. Others have said the tumor itself is is somehow affecting the way he's supposed to you think. You don't you can't bring up <laughs> someone else's tumor, and then then they're saying the best thing he could do is just. Give up his seat. Actually, the people of Arizona Hmm. should vote him out or whatever they could supposedly do because the stress – one of the big drivers of cancer tumors is stress. Right. So to save John's life, de-stress him by getting him out of office. What? That's a GOP member Mm -hmm. that's saying this. Because they get somebody else in who would vote the way they want. About a senior senator that ran for president. I mean that was a POW – who has earned the right to go out any way he wants to mm-hmm. and do it his way? Yeah, you can't do it. Unbelievable. But I just I, I, I was waiting to see if those arguments were going to be made, and it was really fast. Right after he announced the tumor, that people are saying it's either he's had a reawakening because of his healthcare situation, yeah, or because actually the tumor is affecting his thinking, and that's why he's making these decisions because he's unfit to, to mm. fill his office. Well, do you remember before they diagnosed the tumor, or we, before everybody knew about it publicly, he did have some meltdown moments. He, yeah. But, he, but honestly, do you remember, I mean, there are senators that they used to wheel in. Well, Thurman? Uh, Th- Strong Thurman. Thurman. Yeah. Like they'd wheel him in in a bed, basically, in a chair, and everybody just pats him on the back. I mean, a lot of these people, 80 is the new 60, right? It's it's. Well, they want you to think so. Well, but believe me – oops, sorry. Believe me at 40 – what am I, 48? 48 is the new 28. I'm pretty much 28. Oh, okay. Really? I just said it. So, so it is. says you. It is what I said. Well, you use the technology and fidget spinners that 28-year-olds use. Yeah, thank you. By the way, that reminds me. I need to get my fidget spinner out of my pocket so I can play with it. Um, I, I just think these people are – they're informed. They're smart. Let McCain be McCain. And by the way, if you want a bill to pass, then create a good bill. That could even have some bipartisan appeal. Yeah. And I, then let Trump go work his friends on the other I side. I heard an interview over the weekend. There, Someone was talking about how you've seen how there's been like four bills. Yeah. And every one, not one Democrat would agree with. Right. So why would you make a bill that you also know there's Republicans that aren't going to agree with it? Right. Because they, they, they've all come to the same situation. There's three or four Republicans who are just not going to agree. So why don't you make a bill to get maybe some of those moderate Democrats, right, right. 
But no, we can't. We can't deal with Democrats. That that would be crossing, you know, the and, line. And so. we don't. Aren't there enough Democrats that are on the firing squad anyway? Because they live in a red state, right? Or they live a on district the, that voted for Trump. So it it just seems like you have to. I don't know. Be a statesman. Be a politician. Maybe it's, be it, somebody that could yeah. go. It politic. seems like they keep running into a wall that they knew was there, and they just yeah. run into it anyways, just to go through the motions of trying to repeal something. And it's like well, you got, could actually do something of of worth here if you maybe relax some of these ideas and try to bring somebody else in. You have Ted Cruz that won't vote for the bill. Well, he wants more of Obamacare yeah. taken oh, away. Oh, sure he does. Yeah. Sure he does. Just like and, Rand Paul. Which is again, that's the point that. And then McCain's big point is, let's do some studies. Let's let's sit in meetings and talk about well, this and figure out better ways. Is this the right answer? And because of remember the speech he gave after he returned from his diagnosis of a brain tumor, yeah. And it was this like we need to get together. We don't work for the president. We're co-equal with him type right, of thing. Right. We need to pass laws that are good for America. We need to have the the correct process. And and so what did they do this time? They had a hearing. But they put it in a budget committee meeting, not one of the health committee meetings, right? Oh, yeah. So you put it in budget committee. There were two witnesses at this hearing yesterday. There was Lindsey Graham and Bill Cassidy, the two guys uh, that the wrote writers, the bill. Yeah. They didn't bring anyone in that, that would be impacted by what this bill would do. They didn't bring any any patients, any insurance companies, any other people possibly in, you know affected by this bill. They brought in the two guys that wrote it. They had this kind of a sham of a hearing. They just did it so they could say they had a hearing. Now you can't say we didn't have a hearing. Of course, the thing people remember is from the hearing is all the people in wheelchairs that were protesting in the hallway and they all got, not all of them, <laughs> many of them were, were hauled away by security well, yeah, in their but, wheelchairs. Well, but you, you, yeah, they need to, they're just faking. Those aren't even real wheelchairs. <laughs> they're real. It's like the craziest thing. Like if yeah. you want to pass it, pass it. But do it – I guess McCain's saying then don't do it under this guise of it being a tax or a, a, well, yeah. during the appropriations bills or whatever. Yeah. Do it under – in the health care – under a health care bill. So do it when it's harder to do, 60 votes, you're going to have to get a real majority. Don't do it like the Democrats did it. And that's – well, they're, and they're trying to do it even more worse than the Democrats. The yeah. Democrats took 18 months and still just sort of jammed it through, mm. whereas the Republicans are trying to do it in what – it was three months, now then five months, now seven months. You know, It's kind of like the predictions of the end of the world. Yeah. Which, which by keeps the way, changing. Didn't, didn't pan out. Which is why I don't think it will go away. I no. think you'll see health care repeal come up again and again. I have a feeling again. it will be – it will come up again at the, actually at the official end of the world. Oh, nice. Just the last piece of we'll business. We'll solve it then. We have one more piece of business before we terminate this existence of everybody. <laughs> oh, fine. Repeal the care bill. Oh, I don't even care about health care. We're not going to need it anymore. Uh, speaking of um, things that will never be solved, apparently the rapper B.O.B. Oh, just saw that. Yeah. Is uh, using Twitter to jump on the flat earth bandwagon. Nice. He's starting a GoFundMe campaign <clears throat> to find out if the earth's cur- if the, if the earth actually has a curvature or is it just flat. Hmm. Is it is it is it round? Who gets the money, or is it flat? Does the Earth get the money? No, no, no. They they need to investigate it. So they need to. Oh. They're doing the GoFundMe to to uh, to actually investigate. Haven't we already? Haven't scientists already spent lots of time and money doing that? Just mm-hmm. just that thing. Well, they called it NASA. 
Yeah, hmm. it's like but, satellites in space. But yeah. honestly, ever since they've been, you know, faked the moon landing, yeah. I don't know that you can mm-hmm. trust NASA anymore. It was a soundstage in Orange County, people, yeah. pre- or Vegas. It's kind of weird there too. Which which soundstage? <laughs> you don't know. They faked the assassination of Elvis Presley and John Lennon. So he can't. He's like, show me the curve. Show me the curve of the Earth. Show me it. Show so, me. Hmm. It's like you've flown before, right? I mean, all you got to do is pretty much put him in the cockpit of a plane, don't you? <laughs> you can see it. It's. You don't even need to – I mean, I know people that could get you up there for free. Yeah. You don't even need to do a GoFundMe. And if you've watched any of his music videos, there's plenty of airplanes around apparently. They're in all his videos. Are they? And they're always always pulling up in a Lambo to get up on their airplane. He has – the the one song I know him from because I don't necessarily listen to him is uh, about airplanes. Oh, really? (laughs) So a song. He's talking about the instrument he could use to figure this out. See, his plan is to launch multiple satellites into space to observe and to try to disprove what centuries of science and technology have See, already confirmed. We already have thousands of satellites. Yeah. No, well, no, 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 no. These are different. These are different. These are, these are Earth curvature satellites huh. that will detect if there is a curvature of the Earth. All right. I mean, don't you really just have to drive through Kansas? <laughs> I, I mean, isn't it true that if you just drive through Kansas – Get a really good horizon shot. Nice little flat area of the planet you can For see miles, the curve. You'll be able to see. I don't know. How <sighs> will knowing the Earth is flat make our lives better? Well, well, we'll know where the edge is. Yeah. You won't fall off. And well, that, that's probably why all the football players are kneeling too, right? Because once things get unstable, you want to get a You're lower low. center of gravity. Right. Mm. It's a factual thing. It's all true. We're going to have balance issues. Oh, we, I already do. That's what happens when you're 48. Uh, Let's hit Terry. What's going on, Terry, with the headlines? Don't hit me. Hit him. After uh, criticism he had not tweeted by hurricane devastation in Puerto Rico, President Trump on Monday night appeared to blame the island for its own suffering. Texas and Florida are doing great, but Puerto Rico, which is already suffering from broken infrastructure and massive debt, is in deep trouble, Trump tweeted. Its old electrical grid, which was in terrible shape, was devastated. Much of the island was destroyed with billions of dollars owed to Wall Street and the banks, which sadly must be dealt with. (sighs) Since Hurricane Maria struck last Wednesday, killing 10 and knocking power out to 3.4 million, Trump tweeted tweeted more than a dozen times about the NFL and uh, not so much about uh, Nothing like the compassion of a president during a disaster. Of that has never been seen on that island. I mean, it's. No. But we do now know they're indebted to Wall Street. Yes. Which matters, I guess, to half of his cabinet. I don't know. Graham Cassidy, the latest Senate Republican effort to repeal large parts of the Affordable Care Act and transform Medicaid, appears to have died in its final death on Monday evening when Senator Susan Collins of Maine uh, joined Senator John McCain of Arizona and Rand Paul of Kentucky in Ugh. stating her intention to vote no on the bill if it comes up for vote this week. Party the, poopers. The Senate GOP ability to pass a health care bill with just 50 Republican votes through the budget reconciliation process in Saturday, and Republicans have committed to use their next fiscal year's budget resolution to pass tax reform with only GOP votes. But in theory, Republicans could combine health care and tax reform in the same budget vehicle. Mm. And that idea is gaining steam. Senator Lindsey Graham and Senator Ron Johnson, both sponsors of Graham-Cassidy, are pushing to combine tax reform and health care. Senator Rand Paul and Senate Finance Committee Chairman Orrin Hatch are among those interested in the idea. Others, including, including GOP House tax leaders, are wary of threatening tax reform by mixing it up with an Obamacare repeal effort well, that has swarted Republicans all year. 
What what could go wrong with that? Mixing two of the most monstrous bills ever. It is the Frankenstein of bills now. If they're just <laughs> going to start slapping parts together. Uh, oh, it's going to get ugly. Okay. Uh, in other news, at least six White House advisors use private emails for government business, the New York Times reports. Among those advisors are senior advisor Jared Kushner, former White House chief of strategist Steve Bannon, former chief of staff Reince Priebus, chief economic advisor Gary Cohn, and senior policy advisor Stephen Miller. And the Time. first daughter. Didn't she, too? I, I think she was the sixth one. She was the sixth one. Early Monday night, the House Oversight Committee ranking member, requ- he's a Democrat, though, requested information on the uh, Trump aides, use of private email accounts, and other non-governmental messaging services. Representative Trey Gowdy and Elijah Cummings cited numerous, they're in the Ethics Committee in the yeah. House. Oh. Uh, they cited numerous public revelations of senior executive branch employees deliberately trying to circumvent these laws by using personal and private or alias email addresses to conduct official government business. First they use their planes, now they're using their own. E- now, I thought Hillary didn't get elected. No, she didn't. So Donald Trump did. Mm-hmm. This is true. But that's the guy that said that you can't have... You you can't do that, right? It's it's the most. And she needed to be investigated yeah. because of people doing that, having their own private. Oh, hmm. so th- those are his people. Yeah, like six of them. Wow, it's yeah. like they're not following the rules. Mm, it's interesting. Why would you not want to just have? I mean, I think it'd be really cool to have your your email be from White House. Dot gov. Dot gov. Right. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. What do I know? What, what possible reason would you have not to use official so email that's part I'll of the public record? Instead, I'll send it from my Gmail account. Yeah. Not okay. sure. So that that may be an, yet another investigation that begins. You know, that's awesome. <laughs> We're making. We have more investigations per capita with this. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It, it means that the government will move forward. Uh, and finally, this uh, report here. I, this this scares me, Matt. I'm, what? I, this, what? I don't like it when you I, I don't want to say I'm terrified, but okay. I'm deeply concerned by this. Does this involve superheroes? It involves TV Uh-oh. and them darn millennials. What? And how they're ruining it for everyone. What are they doing this but, time? But they also, this is beyond millennials, though. It says almost half of all adults, 22 to 45 years old, are watching absolutely no content on traditional TV platforms. <laughs> really? Instead, None. 47% consuming TV content and video on streaming platforms that didn't exist as recently as the uh, series premiere of CBS's NCIS, which is the number one rated show on TV for whatever that's worth. Right. Wow. There's 20 million people a week that, that tune in, more than that, that tune in to NCIS. Really? On TV? On TV. So they're all older than 44. Apparently. <laughs> Apparently, right? But that show has been on for over a decade. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, I think it's going into like its 12th, But it's riveting. Season. Riveting. Eh, it's Do all you, right. You don't watch it. No. Never seen it. I've seen almost every episode. Because that doesn't mean they're, they aren't watching TV content or even that they aren't seeing ads. They're just consuming it in places where ad models vary, audiences wow. are fragmented, and the measurement is more difficult. That's got to be terrifying to these big t- TV companies. Oh, yeah. Because what do you do? They can't read the tea leaves on this. Now, they're trying really hard to put out different types of TV yeah, shows, but- better, more more things people would be interested in. And and this week is like the big premiere week of all the, the big TV networks. And I've been sampling some of these shows, uh-huh. and they still have no idea what they're doing. See, that's <clears> the problem is they've never – TV was never designed for you to have a choice. 
You were supposed to be obligated. You have your your three channels. That's true. Now they have to give you choice. Which is why I'm convinced a show like Three's Company was popular. Because nobody else had a choice. Well, and Chrissy was cute as a button. Mm -hmm. Is that Suzanne Summers? Yes. Or the other one? And so was the other one. What was Chrissy's roommate's name? I have no idea. Mm. And Jack. They were just a great trio. Yeah. I mean, the the comedy was pretty predictable. That's what I mean. Is it just... Why would that be a show? I was growing That's up watching that. Like, are you kidding me? They don't me? want you choosing. See, no. millennials are criticized for always being glued to their phones, and yet you you hinted at it. There was a time when people were glued to their TVs oh. because if you wanted to watch yeah. a show, you couldn't record it. You had to be there for totally. the live totally. viewing of it. That's right. And this totally – there was a day when you didn't even have a VCR to record any show. Right. Then there was about five years where you had a VCR, but no one knew how to work them. It was just that blinking light. <laughs> that yeah. was like a five-year period. Right. Then, um, but now we're at this point where you can watch anything you want, anytime you want. You know what this actually means the death of is TV dinners. Oh, that's okay. No more TV dinners. No more TV trays. Can't you just make food and then heavily salt the food? Yeah, but they would just get, get that same sort of feeling. And overcook yeah. it. And just then overcook nuke it. it. Yeah. yeah. But then you wouldn't have it in the little containers that, that you hold buy each those. food item. That's the only way to eat a brownie, by the way. Just nuke it. Really? In the microwave. Wow, we don't eat our brownies. You know, and you get the Salisbury <laughs> steak sauce kind of dribbled on top of it because oh, of, yeah. you know. I love it. Yeah, with the little apple strudel sauce. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds so gross. But yeah, so uh, between the ages of 22 and 45, half of that population isn't doing their American duty to watch TV. <laughs> I think it's awesome because then all the Netflix, these these independent filmmakers now are making some pretty interesting oh, yeah. stuff. Well, and Netflix is just saying um, we we like you to cer- certain people, certain cre- uh, you know show creators. They're yeah. saying we like you a lot. Um, here's a check. Just fill that out as you will. Yeah. And uh, we'll just go ahead and cash that for you. Go ahead. Yeah, just 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 uh, we'll give you as much as you Here's need. Here's piles of money. Make a good TV. How so come? That, answer me this, and hmm. then we've got to go. Yeah. Um, how come we can't perform? We meaning the U.S. television industry. Okay, can't perform like the single-handed BBC because they are, they seem to be making a lot of really good TV that then we pick up, like The Office, right? We pick it up because mm-hmm. it was such a brilliant idea. I, I honestly think the TV networks are afraid to be too creative because there's been times where they've stepped out and tried to do something different and nobody watched. Yeah. So it's a total it's waste true. of money, right? And their money comes from uh, strictly from advertising. And if your your ratings drop, any you lose money. Yeah. Whereas when you're on cable, you also have subscription fees, which gets you kind of a right, bubble to play right. with. And this so is that idea so much. that we talked about the other day on the show about government subsidizing BBC to mm-hmm. make sure that they have good news quality and also good television quality. But like the – what is it? The Crown, mm-hmm. Downton, Downton Abbey, uh, Poldark, a lot of uh, – Victoria, a lot of those shows – you don't need to keep making up Marvel comics. I mean, not that those aren't great. Flash is a wonderful thing. But you don't watch that either. That's I, that's DC, by the way. Oh, is it DC? Yeah. I, yeah sorry, no. Sorry. You just proved my point. I know, but I don't. I don't. I don't have. I don't read the mags, um, the rags. Um, I just think it's amazing that BBC is such an innovative leader, and honestly, on topics and subjects that are pretty easy and clean, relatively. Right. And I mean, not The Office from the uk but 
anyway, I think it's fascinating, especially because of what BYU Broadcasting is doing. It seems like there is there's 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 ways to do this and to do it with quality. And hmm. well, too bad for TV. We're gonna miss you. In fact, do you even call it a TV anymore, or do you just call it a monitor? Because really, if you're just pushing your Apple TV through it, then really, what is the TV anymore? Hmm. Questions about your future, folks. Straight ahead, we're going to be talking about how to easily rewire your brain for success with one simple action. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Do you remember that time you messed up your presentation in front of the whole class? What about the time when you aced your exam? One memory could still evoke some feelings of embarrassment and other fe- others' feelings of pride. But what if you could edit your memories so that even your fumbled presentation at work could be a success? A few months ago, I spoke with Dr. Lori Shemek about her article, How to Easily Rewire Your Brain for Success with One Simple Action. I began the interview by pointing out that sometimes it is a subtle hidden issue that keeps us from progressing today. It absolutely is. It's a, it's a huge issue because many people often wonder and are frustrated, why can't I move forward? Why am I not succeeding? And most of the memories that we have as we're growing up, for example, are filed in our subconscious. And as you mentioned, if you blew it in front of the class, well, that gets filed in the I'm not so great Right. Okay, in the brain. And then if you got an A-plus, for example, on your uh, report, then that gets filed in the I'm good uh, file in your brain. So you store this memory, and then and they, they compile, and then eventually you begin to perceive what you've stored. And this is all subconscious. So these not-so-great files, unfortunately, tend to have uh, a great impact on many people. Mm. So it's multiple compounded experiences, or in some cases, even just a single event or experience. Well, one single event could then cause mm -hmm. multiple other fears and insecurities that that then become compounding. Right. And so um, this leads us to believe... uh, uh, how we perceive ourselves, what we believe about ourselves, um, how effective we are, and how motivated we really are in life, and what we hold true about us. Hmm. So our attitudes and our actions now are all heavily influenced by our past behaviors and our memories. So our attitude and our behavior actually are the key components to our success. And so if somebody's sitting there and they just anybody driving around today and listening to the show if they're thinking of something that they just don't move forward on, they know they should, they know they need to, they've got 500 reasons to, but they don't, is that a sign that they may have some hang up from the past? It is. It is because remember why do we have these beliefs about ourselves? So, yeah, they're, they're coming from somewhere. They're coming from somewhere, and they're all, they're all subjective. They may not be true to somebody else, but in our minds they are. So it's really a matter of rewiring, if you will, the way we think about ourselves, the way we perceive certain situations. And, in fact, you can actually change your memories. Hmm. and make them benefit. 
That's amazing. So you can rewrite, you can change. I mean, by the way, the memory is not even probably complete, is it? it and it doesn't matter because my memory could be a memory of a four-year-old that only had one choice, but right. now I'm an adult that has 50. Exactly. That's a very good point. So you remember the telephone game where yeah. people take turns, you know, you whisper a message into the ear of the next person in line. Yeah. And then by the last person, uh, the, that person speaks out the message out loud. Yeah. That, by the time that person gets that message, that, ha- that message has radically changed, right? So it's been altered with each retelling. And it turns out that our memory is a lot like that telephone game. Hmm. We, we think our memories are intact and impeccable, but in fact, they are not. Every time that we um, retrieve a memory, it becomes less precise, and they found this through research. Wow. And I guess that's important to think of because your, your memory is not there to make you become a great public speaker. Your memory is there to make sure you don't die. Exactly. It's a protective right. function. So yeah. even if it doesn't protect you with exact preciseness, I mean, even if it doesn't keep your stories precise and exact and fully uh, ripe and rich with data, they're accurate. If it doesn't kill you, it worked. Exactly. And so uh, our memories really, if they, they, they serve a purpose, they keep us alive, <laughs> for example. But, um, but, our, but we decide, our brain decides what's, what's useful. And what mm-hmm. is it useful? You know, the, the, but the problem is every time we retrieve that memory, it gets altered. In the same way, for example, our cells, when they replicate, they divide. Yeah. They aren't replicated perfectly. They change a little bit every time, and thus you have aging and ill health down the road. But the, the same is true as uh, retrieving a memory. It becomes less efficient and um, impeccable, if you will. Hmm. That's a that's an interesting way to to look at it, and and so some of these memories you may not even actually retain the memory. You just re, you retain versions, five hundred versions later of the original memory or thought. Right, like the fish story mm-hmm. your uncle keeps telling. Right, it yeah, bigger, bigger and bigger. Fish, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> so such a. Once you start questioning the reality of a memory, things fall apart actually pretty quickly. So. Many of our assumptions about the human mind, what it is, why it breaks, and and how things can be healed, are rooted in a mistaken belief about how experience is stored in the brain. So uh, there was a recent survey that showed that 63% of Americans believe that the human memory works just like a video camera, you know, um, recording precisely Mm -hmm the events that we see, the, event, the things that we hear in detail. And so, yes, we want the past to persist uh, because, uh, obviously, it gives us meaning and, and permanence, but it also tells us who we are and where we belong. And the, the kicker is, is that n- nobody wants to hear that their memories are uh, not perfect. Right. And that's the problem, but they're not. And uh, so... The good news is, though, that if they're not so perfect, the ones that you don't want to be, um, then that you want to be better and empowering, then you can change those. You can edit those memories, in fact. Hmm. That, that is huge. And that's one reason, I guess, why I, when, we're, when we're in a relationship and we're, we're arguing about something that happened in the past, it's just memory matching. It's two people matching 
memories that weren't the same. And yet there's hope because we could turn it into something better. We can take these memories that aren't perfect and rewrite them into something that serves us better. Exactly. And, you know, the the eyewitness accounts, if five people are standing there and they all witness the same crime, Mm -hmm. nobody perceives or has the same memory. There are always details that are different with every person. Right. And, And some of those may not have even existed. Right. Exactly. That's a very good point. And in fact, research has shown that when people retrieve their memories, they did a study with 9-11, and um, they showed that um, they actually surveyed hundreds of people, okay, about the, their memories of that awful day. And the scientists repeated the surveys at one year out, So the only way, by the way, to keep an accurate account of your memories is to actually write it down immediately so that it's written down. But so these scientists did this in this uh, experiment. At one year out, they surveyed them again. 37% of the details changed. By 2004, that number was approaching 50%. Wow. And so, you know, some changes were innocuous, and some people even altered where they were when the, fa- when the towers fell. So that's how things can change. Man, yeah, but it makes sense. And so mm-hmm. think of if you've been telling a story for 10, 20 years, it's, you're just lying. You're just a big exactly. liar. <laughs> and it goes to, you know, when with people who are chronic liars start believing their own stories, you mm-hmm. know? So over and over, the act of repeating a memory seems to corrupt its content. Okay. So what does this have to do with me not doing, you know, calling a client that I need to call and I I just got to call or, you know, doing something in my life that needs to be done? Well, it's about going back to the memories that we have that are subconscious now. Okay. So the subconscious memories have a grasp upon how we interact with the world, how we perceive the world, who we are within the world. And so if there are memories that you have that you know are huge players, for example, if you were traumatized as a child, there were situations within the family that were challenging and difficult for you, uh, violent perhaps, you can go back and you can actually edit those memories to hmm. benefit you so that they have a pos- more positive outcome that you then can change the outcome of what happened to you. They've been doing this with um, post-traumatic stress disorder um, victims, and it's working remarkably well. So what they're doing is they're having these patients go back in time to the event and and talk about it actually and think about it and visualize it in a way that is not harmful to them and it's it's had tremendous success the people yeah are 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 actually uh creating different lives having better quality lives i mean i guess you could even just look at the story not through the victim being a victim um, but maybe look at the story through another lens. That's excellent. Yes, exactly. Like, Taking control. Yeah. yeah. Right. Having a sense of empowerment, knowing that you have the ability to edit uh, things that happened in your past. If it happens naturally, we can make it happen intentionally. Hmm. 
they actually have created a a um, a pill, if you will, that has only been experimented on with rats, but what they've determined is that um, when we retrieve a memory, certain proteins are um, are uh, triggered. Okay, mm-hmm. and it it happens right at the time <clears throat> of the event. So what they did was they took the rats um, and they unfortunately uh, gave them electrical shocks. Okay, yeah. and at the same time of the shock, they they had a very loud noise. That startled them. So what they decided was that at they, eventually they took away the, um, the shock. And then they had the loud noise. Okay. It scared the rat. Yeah. It, it, it created a frozen um, uh, in time, if you will. They would just stop. And what they did at the time of the loud noise, they injected specific proteins that erase the memory of the electric shock. And they weren't afraid anymore. Hmm. And it was interesting. So they actually are working on this with humans where they can inject proteins that will help erase specific memories. And it sounds rather sci-fi, but they've actually done it with rats. Oh, wow. But think of how that could help some of these soldiers coming back from war uh, with PTSD. I mean, this is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So it's these sets of proteins that happen every time we um, are in the act of remembering. But it has to. So in the case of the rats, it has to be done right then and there. Mm. Let's let's take a break, Lori. We're speaking with Dr. Lori Shemek. If you go to her website, drlorishemek.com, she's a best-selling author, a radio show host, and she's uh, giving us some insight, information into how we can rewire our brain actually re- rewrite our stories. Um, powerful stuff that uh, I think I think it's it, I, it can help, can't it? Think about your ability to go back and turn something from the past into a healthier direction for you today. Uh, we, that way we, we're not determined to have to keep being the same way. We can change ourselves by changing some of our thoughts. We'll take a break. We'll come back be focusing on the the rewriting of the story how we go about doing that with Dr. Lori Shemek. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Friends, to the Matt Townsend Show, how to rewire your brain, how to move on from some of those past uh, situations, those some of those traumatic events that may still be playing out on you today, and, and a lot of them are subtle, right? So it could just be something as simple as, why won't you just go have that conversation with your spouse? It might, you know, you might be avoiding conflict, and the conflict may have started when you were younger. And ever since then, and you may not even tie it exactly to that, some event in your past, but if you're not able to move forward on certain things, that inability to do something might be telling you that we need to, to reevaluate our, our thinking, maybe rewire our brain a little bit. Our guest today, Dr. Lori Shemek, uh, is a, um, a, an author and an expert in, um, in helping people learn to, to kind of make change happen in their lives. 
She's here today to talk to us about her article, How to Easily Rewire Your Brain for Success with One Simple Action. And uh, Dr. Lori Shemek, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. You bet. What would you say, what is that one simple action then? So it's, it's going back and telling a new story. Okay, it's rewriting a story. And we humans are hardwired, essentially, to tell stories. We've been writing, you know, uh, stories on, with pictures on cave walls. We love stories. And the reason we do is because it ties emotion to it. It has meaning to us. Hmm. Okay? Um, it's that powerful connection between storytelling with emotion that changes the old story that we have in our heads. So once you tie an emotion to it, you can actually re-energize the memory to a different emotion? Absolutely. So if you, no matter what you do, if you tie emotion to it, and obviously we want to change something negative to positive if right, you're, right. you're doing this. So you want positive injected powerfully in terms of emotion into the storyline, okay? Yeah. So if you go back and say that um, you, you didn't do so well on uh, a presentation in front of your class. Then you go back and you do great. You do outstanding and you're effective and your classmates are applauding you and saying, wow, I really got a lot from that. And believe it, believe it. And you keep repeating it. And the more you repeat this, the more changes happen within the brain, okay? And what you're doing is that you're rewiring your brain. And essentially, neurons that fire together, they actually wire together. Hmm. So what you're doing is you're creating a neuronal path. It's like uh, a grass path, if you will. If you walk into a field or a grassy patch that's never been touched, you bend the grass over the first tread through. If you keep doing this, the path gets more open, it becomes more visible, and then eventually you have actually created a groove, okay? And this is what is happening with the retelling with, of stories, with visual, with auditory, with emotion, with uh, tactile senses. You, every sense you can inject in there, you must. And... The other thing is that if you uh, want it to be positive and bright in your life, make it that way. Make it bright and large, sunshiny. Research shows that the larger the image in your mind, the closer it is, the brighter it is, the more effective it is in terms of changing it. And the same is true as if you don't want a memory. You want to get rid of that old memory. Diminish it, make it small, pinpoint, kick it to the curb, and make it black and white. No color, no shininess, no sparkle, and dim it. And you make and, it that way by just thinking it that way? So I just right. I think the bad memory smaller. Exactly. Very, very small, minuscule. And you repeat this, and the repetition is what is key here, because, rep- like I mentioned, it's a neuronal change, and so your, your neuronal connections are changing. Your memory, you're editing your memory, you're changing it, and it sounds like, oh, yeah, right, you know, but it does have a marked effect upon how you perceive yourself subconsciously. So it has to be done 
repeatedly and consistently. Well, but doesn't your brain care if it's true? For example, so if I went and did a speech as a child that, Mm -hmm. and I blew it and I was humiliated and Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, So then I go rethink it that I didn't blow it. I nailed it. I nailed it. I nailed it. Should I be thinking of trying to rewrite the one where I blew it or should I be thinking of a new one? Where I killed it and knocked it out of the park. Both. Okay. So you want to, yeah, minimize the, yeah. the one where it, you blew it and then, and then brighten, enlarge, and yeah. tell the story how you want it to be with emotion. And that's the key because really thoughts, our beliefs are really just thoughts, okay? Uh, they're, they're thoughts that we have lived with and believed for, for most of our life. Our beliefs are how we were raised, what we care about. They're really thoughts. And yeah. when you get into neuroscience, you can see how uh, it's your, your, your self-confidence can change just by changing how you think about yourself in a positive light. The, I would say that it is more important to be consistent about this than anything. So if you're consistent about it and you do it, Mm-hmm. Because it will, it does take effort to do it. Things will change for you. Well, yeah, I guess that just shows you too that your mind is your it's your tool. It's not your master. You you have you, I like I believe we're agents, right, of change. And mm-hmm. if I take on the role of being an agent, even of my own brain, then I, and I consistently do it, like you say, I can make things be what I want them to be. Exactly, and that is, it goes back to your point of having a sense of control mm-hmm. in the outcome of your life. And, and this really does work because people who are confident about what they're doing are typically successful in their lives. And you can look at people who are in the limelight that are very confident and how you use them as examples of looking to see well, yeah, look how confident they are and how successful they are. They tied the two together. Confident people also are not negative people, typically. Yeah. They're, they're usually very positive, and they all, all of this goes hand in hand with changing your life story. And, and so take the, uh, the, the things you want to become, the ideal kind of uh, the ideal person you want to be, embellish it, make it bigger in your mind, maybe mm-hmm. more detailed, more vivid in color, vivid in detail. In, I mean, make it sensory, so it's multisensory. And just by exploring that in our head, you're not just daydreaming, you're saying. No. You are, you're actually creating a kind of a subconscious script that can then play that could eventually help you become what you want to become. Exactly. And, it, again, it's subconscious as well. Yeah. So you're changing the, the old tapes that you've been telling yourself, I'm not good at this, I'm terrible, I'm not that attractive, I'm... Uh, not that intelligent, and, you know, the list goes on, That was the things that we tell ourselves. But if you tell yourself every day and you visualize it, you inject emotion in it, eventually you will believe it. Yeah. But these little, these little messages to the brain, if you do it every day, change the way you perceive yourself, and then mm. your life changes. Oh, yeah, and th- yeah, then all of a sudden... I mean, even just doing it a little bit, you'd be less afraid of that phone call. Exactly. exactly. Or, or that conversation or whatever. Oh, this is fascinating. And right. wh- where can we find out more of this? If we go to your website, is that is that the best resource to find your work and your coaching? 
It is. I am uh, at drlorieshemek.com is where uh, you can find me. Uh, my books, I have two books uh, out, Fire Up Your Fat Burn, and my second book was released with HarperCollins uh, recently called How to Fight Fat Flammation. Mm. And um, you can find those there. You can find me on Facebook and on Twitter as Lori Shemek. Good stuff. Dr. Lori Shemek, thank you so much for your thank time you. and this great thank insight. Thank you for having me. You bet. Uh, man, isn't it amazing? Just And again, it, it'll, it can work. It's just think of the consistency. You got to be in your head working the thought. And, and you can go practice now. Just take the history, the, the painful history, and shrink it. Like literally in your brain, make it smaller. Rewrite it. Make it crazy. Make it funny. Add things to it. Um, I found just simply helping people reframe the issue where they're not the victim anymore, but they're, you know, they are, they're just a child. You don't have to play the victim in every time you've been victimized. You sometimes can just move on. No, it's hard. But uh, if you also argue for how hard it is, then it stays hard. If you argue for how easy you can do this, it also can become easier. Make the case, folks, and you'll make your future. We'll take a break, come back, uh, wrap up this second hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us, folks, helping you see the good in the world. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, uh, in an effort to uh, do a little community service, a little outreach, uh, we wanted to um, help the people of Tennessee who have been terrified recently um, about a 911 report. I mean, a lot of people are reporting to 911 a gruesome finding. And so we're going to go to our empty news desk with uh, Jeff Simpson to cover the decapitated body story. How would you feel if you came out and noticed that in your neighbor's driveway yeah. there was a decapitated body? Or well. The head was missing from this body. Ooh. That's – so there's a body without mm-hmm. a head. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a good citizen, you should report it. So people in Tennessee were panicking, or at least the neighbor was. Joseph Lever gives Halloween display of a man who'd been decapitated by his Greenville home's garage door was so lifelike that his neighbor Johnny Riddle reported that he what he thought was a dead body to the Greene County Sheriff's Department on Wednesday. I thought it was somebody, Riddle told Johnny. WJLHL. I thought it was somebody laying up there on the driveway. Deputies showed up at Lever Gives house and soon determined that the body was a Halloween decoration that the homeowner had put out more than a month early. Can't you hear like Joseph Lover Gives saying, oh, Johnny, that guy <laughs> could never take a joke. See, this story would, you know, infuriate a lot of people yeah. because who puts out their Halloween decorations that early? I know. What a jerk. I just saw a post the other day. Somebody went into Costco and they had Christmas trees up and they were not happy. <laughs> The department shared a photograph of the display to Facebook soon after and warned residents not to call 911 reporting a dead body. Instead, congratulate the homeowner on a great display. Hey, great display, Joseph. But the problem is, by the way, let's just let's just blow up a few myths here. If you see hands coming out of the back of a trunk, it Mm. doesn't mean someone's in the trunk. That's right. That's probably just one of those trick trunk. Tricks. You know why I would never put on that type of display? 
Why? Because I'm worried. We we've got this dumpster next door because our the new homeowners are renovating, and hey, people, you don't need to explain. People, you don't need to explain sneak. why you've got a dumpster next door. People come in the middle of the night and they dump their garbage in <laughs> there, really? so you know they don't have to pay for the dumping yeah. fees. I'm worried that if I put a, a fake dead body out there, people would just start. Disposing of their dead bodies just I on know. our on our driveway. Nothing worse than that. You know, hey, by I, the way, where do you live? Because I have some stuff I need to drop mm, off. Reminds me of the the scene from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, it's such a sad. The plague. Mm-hmm. See again, I think it would it would be a problem. I think people would just start bringing their dead bodies, yeah, or they're semi dead. Some wouldn't oh, be dead. Oh, that would be that would be even worse. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> I feel happy. You know, um, what are you going to do? We're we're going to help you one way or another on this show. And today, we helped you realize that if you see a body without a head, don't always assume it's a real body. Halloween's coming. It's see, time. That police department's going to eat their words though, because it said, "Don't call nine one one reporting a dead body." Right. Like, we're not New York. Of course we're going to call when we see a dead body, except for we're people in New York. Okay, folks, uh, lots of fun. We're, we're doing our best to help give you the information you need to have a, health, a healthy Halloween holiday. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on BYU Radio. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here along with Jeff Simpson and Terry South. The gang is gathered to give you the latest and greatest tools, the information you need to live a healthier, happier life. Today, no exception. Uh, We've got a lot to cover, including uh, our food allergies really on the rise. We hear more and more stories. You may even be noticing, you know, 10, 15 years ago, most of us didn't maybe know what a gluten-free diet was. And we were better for it. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Somebody really has something against gluten. (laughs) I don't know what it is. Uh, so we're going to be talking with our uh, health evangelist, Dr. Ron Hager, about food allergies because we're always told to eat healthier food. But also, why are there so many allergies? Is it because of pesticides and all of these con- these companies making money on, uh, you know, creating superfoods that can never spoil and can never age and we're slowly dying? We'll find out. Get some interesting insight from Dr. Ron on that. Uh, plus, uh, usually what that means is right before Ron is on, we always somehow have a story about junk food. And so I'm sure plenty. we will be finding uh, – I'm sure Oreo will be coming out with a new cookie or something we can talk about as well. Plus, uh, a gutsy raccoon. You ca- These little raccoons, they're pretty gutsy. And we'll tell you a story about a, a, a raccoon hitching a ride with a cop. See, now do you still think that the copperhead snake would win in a fight against the raccoon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it's still poisonous. See, but if, if a snake was up on your windshield, you just turn on the windshield wipers and they'd get all tangled up and wouldn't be able to escape. Until, like a friend of mine, the snake went down into the vent system of the car. Ugh. And once you've got a snake in your vent, then you're done. That's when you sell the car. 
It's we'll time to, to sell the car. We'll have to play our snakes in a car trailer during oh, the break. That's a good show. Samuel L. Jackson was in that one, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. We'll get to that fun today. Also, of course, um, we, we've got to also be talking about um, BYU Sports Nation. We'll be visiting with them to find out what's coming up on their show in uh, the top of the hour. But, you know, BYU, they've had a whole week off. They should be rested. Uh, they're now caffeinated. <laughs> they're they're ready to play. Maybe ask him about that. Will caffeine play a role in this week's game? And what role specifically? Yeah. Will it help uh, Brigham Young University beat their little brother, the Utah State Aggies? Don't they call it the Battle of the Brothers or something? Yeah, something dumb. really. No, 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 not very dumb. underwhelming. Not dumb. Like something kind of. I think it, there's some Wait. nostalgia behind it. See, the game ends up on ESPN because they can put it on a Friday, and ESPN needs content, so they put it on, and then yeah. they try to play up this, this, you know, battle, battle of, of the, the brothers, the brothers. <laughs> well, no, like, because uh, you, there are brothers that one have gone, one's gone to BYU, and others have gone to and Utah then, State. And then they go, "It's all for the wagon wheel." And you're like, yeah, the wagon wheel, the wagon wheel. But that's, I mean, that's a big. It's just disappointing. Oh, see, I think that's the pessimist in you. To me, it's very nostalgic. I mean, Wisconsin and Minnesota play for Paul Bunyan's axe. Well, you, you that's know. That's kind of cool. Hold it. But you understand it's not really Paul Bunyan's axe. But still. And I think you have to pull it out of the stone, too, before you can get it. No, that's Excalibur. Oh, I see. Paul Bunyan's Excalibur sword. That's what that is. There's, just, there's better trophies. Are there? Really? And what? Come on. There just is. You can look them up. There's just better. Not, but you're not playing and then just for the, the trophy. Well, you're, yeah, you're, you're playing you're, for the pride. Right. But To know you bested your little brother. You're paying, You're playing so that your parents who are probably overbearing in those, on those teams, are, they won't uh, yeah. beat you up or don't you already belittle have enough, you. Don't you already have enough pride knowing that you got into BYU and your little brother didn't? It is getting tougher to get into BYU. I know. Tell me about it. I've got kids that have a hard time getting in, and I work here. Did they get in, though? No, because I have no sway. <laughs> no, well, they, they both have. But I have another one that's now worried if he will. And I'm like, we'll get you in. Is this the student body president? Yeah, but he's not the president. But yeah. Oh. What is he? He's a student body officer. Well, but they, he has the extraculars. But he's the fine. funny thing is they don't, get, they don't get to run for president. How they just run for student body office, and then the teachers pick who's president. How's Ooh. his ACT score? How's his ATCs? Well, it's funny, the funny thing you brought Mine that up horrible. because he just had his ACT. He just took his ACTs. Okay. And let's just say there wasn't a lot of A in the ACT. Wow. I've ah. been there. So he needs to retake his I, ACT. I, I had a teacher say, hey, um, if you didn't get this score – or if you got below this score, it's kind of embarrassing. And I was like, oh. Jeez, uh, I wasn't even yeah. close to that. <laughs> wow. So I'm guessing that's why so many people ran for that same office that your son did yeah. because they think that that's going to put them over the, the edge and get them into BYU. That's what my – so my son is going to get in there, we think, on extracurricular activities because he's, he does everything. And he's never been arrested. Did you know that actor Brian Cranston appeared in a bunch of different club photos in his yearbook, and he wasn't in a single one of those clubs? Well, that's 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 deception. It was more of a joke. Yeah, but isn't that the, that was the joke of everybody to get in as many club pictures? See, he's probably more <laughs> my age. That's what we used to do back then. See, we didn't. Uh, have... He's probably twelve years your senior. Thank you. Uh, he didn't have um, – we didn't have Twitter. We didn't have Netflix. So mm. all we could do is go you know, try to get in club photos. That's what we used to do. 
Really? Yeah. I didn't have Twitter or Netflix growing up either, and I didn't try to get into club photos. Did you ever try to go look in at the cadaver lab at the University of Utah? No. We would take our friends and girlfriends up, mm. and we'd go find the cadaver lab, and then we'd all stare in the windows. Hmm. And I think we were actually just looking at file cabinets, but we thought they were cadavers. By the way. Wild and crazy kids. I know. I was wrong. It's not the first time. He's 13 years your senior. Yeah. I thought he was only 12. He's a great actor. I just listened to his audio book, though, which was released a little earlier. And in there, he said he was 60. So that's where the mistake came in. Um, What's his audio book on? His Brian career Cranston. in life. Oh, his life. Yeah. His like his autobiography. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. You know what? I'm. I want your help writing my autobiography. No. Can Terry? No, I'm not going to do it. I want you to produce that for me. No. We'll start taking dictation it's after your, the show. Your life story. You figure it out. Can I don't want to do the auto. I want a biography, but I don't want to do the auto part of it. Can we put Palakiko on that? <sighs> really? Yeah. Okay. Let's get Kiko on it. Kiko knows. So we're starting my autobiography after the show. Okay. I'll just start dictating. You take notes and then bring Kiko in. I'm busy, so. Okay, then you come in, Jeff. I'll dictate it and you tell it to Kiko. I have any number of other things I am doing at that time. Do you know how hard it is to write a biography when no one's going to help you? I'm right. going to be listening to autobiographies, so I don't have time to. I want help you to you voice my auto. I want you to voice my autobiography. How much you can? Pay but me? I want you to use my voice because many think we have the same voice. <laughs> there you go. But we are two people. Problem solved. One head, two people. One body, two heads. That's scary. Figure that out. Um, Let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's going on around the country we should be paying attention to? Alabama poised to vote Tuesday tonight in a Republican runoff election between Senate candidates Luther Strange, the state's incumbent junior senator who was endorsed by President Trump and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, and former Alabama Supreme Court Justice Roy Moore, a controversial conservative. He's actually been kicked off the... uh, Supreme Court or suspended from their Supreme Court a couple times because of things that he's done. Parking violations. That made made him really popular in the state. Um, So he's been backed by Steve Bannon and Sebastian Gorka and Sarah Palin. Okay, so that would be the really ultra-conservative wing, right? Maybe. Well, and Donald Trump. No, Trump's oh, Trump supporting the other guy. Strange. Trump and McConnell are on so the strange side. Bannon's horse is yeah. going, could very well beat President Trump's horse. Well, they're definitely on the strange side. It's certainly a critical national race. Political science professor Cal Jolson told uh, Alabama newspapers, all eyes will turn to Alabama over the next week. Real clear politics average polls between September 16th and 23rd show more with a stronger lead going into Tuesday at 51% of vote, while more only has... 42% of the mo- uh, 42% uh, of the vote leans towards strange. Yes. So Trump's man is you know behind in the race. There are those who think that political success of Morris candidacy could be a jumping off point for insurgent challengers to sitting GOP senators in 2018. Hmm. O- others think this is simply a primary vote in Alabama and we'll see what happens. So when the when the voter from Alabama goes into the booth, they will be thinking of this entire political yeah. world, and they'll say, <laughs> they'll see two words, more and strange. More strange. This has been more strange than any other election. How Love. crazy. It was a very dramatic retelling yeah, of that very election. very ironic. It sounds like a bunch of people that work for cable news trying to get people to turn on cable news and talk about Alabama for an entire evening. Right. Mm-hmm. This actually sounds like a, an episode in the VP 
show. Veep? Veep? Veep. Yeah. Don't you think like like strange like irony? It. Yeah. I mean, More strange. Even the names, yeah. You, yeah, make it a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, Senate Republican uh, Susan Collins will oppose the GOP-backed health care bill she announced after the Congressional Budget Office released a report on the bill effects Monday night saying millions of people would not be covered under the new bill. Collins' opposition leads, leaves the bill short of the 50 votes. Uh, John McCain, Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, possibly others, are saying they won't vote for the bill. Uh, Collins said in a statement, sweeping reforms to our health care system and to Medicaid can't be done well in a compressed time frame, especially when the actual bill is a moving target because hmm. they keep trying to uh, make amendments yeah. to her and others right. who are voting no. They're, basi- it's like They're doing whatever of- they can to give them. Someone characterized it as the bill with a paper clip and a $100 bill on the back. Ah, How about that? And then they put wow. another 100 How about that? Yeah, they're not, doing it that not way. Not good enough for you? Um, does, but this is exactly what the Democrats did with their bill. And they did. everybody complained about there, it. There was a, what they call it, a Cornhusker kickback? Oh, yeah. They get Nebraska on board, so they you mean the traditional some, Cornhusker kickback. Yeah, they tossed in some and then the, sweeteners. Are they are they still going to build another bridge to Alaska for Murkowski? Not sure. That'd we'll be see. A, stra- a bridge straight from San Francisco to Alaska. That would be mm. wonderful. That would be wonderful. Maybe put some trees along the way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Pit stops, rest stops. A DC police uh, arrested a former Memphis cop on Sunday after they found 20 guns, including assault weapons, in his car across the street from the White House. Retired Memphis patrolman Timothy Bates, 37, reportedly spotted uh, near the White House when a Secret Service officer approached him. Bates reportedly said that he had come to the White House to meet with National Security Ag- Agency Director Mike Rogers and uh, Secretary of Defense Jim Mattis for advice on missing paychecks and how to get the dog chip out of my head. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Among the weapons in his car were uh, assault rifles, AK-47, semi-automatic pistols with a silencer, brass knuckles. Yeah, they arrested him on six weapons charges. Wow. So, yeah, that was a little nuts. Yeah. But hopefully he gets help with that chip that's right. in his head. No one needs a chip in their head. Well, no. And they're. I think they're pretty easy to go. My vet, they can take them out really fast. If it was like a Pringle, I wouldn't mind different if it chip. was in there. It's a different chip. Mm. It's like a microchip. Not a tortilla chip. Not, Pringles they're, is not tortilla chips. And, and finally, as <laughs> as we do, is Ron Hager, our esteemed. health evangelist, esteemed. I don't want to yeah. diminish his Dr. status Ron, as Dr. a health. Ron Hager. Um, I have some unhealthy food to share. Oh, excellent! Uh, the these, these are things you're not supposed to eat. General Mills. Yeah. They, they, I, by the way, they've been a client of mine. They uh, careful. They're the makers of Trix brand cereal. Tricks are for kids. Tricks are for kids, mm-hmm. right? Well, they uh, a year or two ago they took the tricks off the market and they reworked them and put them back out with all natural oh. instead of artificial the flavors ma- and yeah. coloring. The matrix. They put all natural. Now all natural ended up being, um, let's see, uh, turmeric, strawberries, and radishes. Hold it, tur- turmeric. Mm. Turmeric. Yeah, t- turmeric. Turmeric. I don't know. Turmeric. Turmeric. Strawberries. Radishes. They had to get rid of the blue and green pieces oh. because they couldn't have a uh, a natural replacement for them. So that's what they used Hold to on, color not and a natural flavor. Replacement for blue. That's what they were saying. Nothing that met their standards. Like a blueberry. It's not the right color. Blue. It's more purple. Oh. That's why my kids say whenever I ask them what their favorite flavor is, they say blue. So what they're saying is they're back to their old tricks. The colorful cereal will once again be made with artificial dyes and flavors. And uh, they'll put both a artificial 
flavored, any natural flavored on uh, the market. Okay. They'll yeah. balance each other out. Because uh, they say people are complaining yeah. that Trix just doesn't taste the same yeah. because it's all natural. You guys, you here's that. the deal. Um, doesn't render their childhood when you have the to eat great, like, real food. The great food. thing we call Earth does not provide the colors we need to make tricks, you know, so interesting. They do point out that 90% of its cereals, including Cheerios, Cocoa Puffs, and Golden Grahams, all natural. 90% of them. Which is mostly sugar. But so isn't it actually the 10% that's not so natural that we're all worried about? Right. Cocoa yeah. for Cocoa Puffs. Also, um, apparently at Disneyland, yeah. for the month of September, so we got a few days left, They are at, in, at one restaurant they've replaced... Tortilla chips in their nachos with corn dogs. Hmm? Huh? Huh? So a chip for a corn, a corn dog for a chip. Yeah. So instead of a pile of chips and then you put the you can get a nacho, the nacho the, you know, toppings, toppings. It's just corn dogs. This would make my wife so happy. Wow. She's not a huge corn dog fan, <laughs> but we went to Disneyland. She had a corn dog, and she thought it was the best thing in this. In this world, Doctor, really, Doctor yeah. Ron Hager's licking his chops right now. He's like, "Wow, that's a lot of corn dogs." I, I, did you notice he grabbed his heart? <laughs> Ow! Corn dogs cut up and then nacho toppings on top. Wouldn't chips be healthier? Wouldn't like really yes. greasy tortilla I, chips? I don't believe yes. the the concern is health here. The concern is there's corn dogs they've dressed up as nachos. It's better if you ask the the fewer the questions, the better. Yeah, and finally, Just eat your corn dogs. <laughs> finally, over the weekend, uh, somebody put out some photographs that people found offensive, where they took a DiGiorno frozen pizza. Oh yeah, which is very good, by the way. And uh-huh. they put candy corn on it and then cooked it. <gasps> no. Ooh. So you have you this, would love that. I would really give that a shot. I would not. I would shoot it in the trash. You know that nobody really eats those candy corns. Right? I do. We just. You yeah. know that you and I have to go get you are more. the only one that eats those. I know. Candy corns. You must eat a lot of them. They're no. in our emergency kit. We, you know, they're kind of yeah. act as a wick. We light them on fire. In we the like case to we leave light. ours underneath the cushions of our couches, and we just we always find like dozens of them there. You eat yeah. two or three at a time. You don't take you know not yeah. too many because you eat too much, it makes you sick because it's pretty much just pure sugar. Yeah. Well, and sometimes you so. just don't feel like getting up from the couch to go get your snack. Yeah, so you just reach down the side of the couch. Yeah. Pull out one of the old. <laughs> it's blow like it if, off. <laughs> it's like if you can't find it. the remote, you'll you'll just watch whatever's on. Oh yeah, or you yell at your kids. That's what yeah. I do. I yell at my children to find me the remote. And they're like, find your own remote. And then that's when everyone goes to bed early. You don't have your remote on your phone yet? I do. But it doesn't work, and Terry figured out why. Ah. If you have any technical questions, give us a call, one eight five five chat byu Ask for Terry, and Terry will guide you through because Terry knows everything technical. He knows everything. Uh, up next, though, to get real technical, we're going to be talking about food allergies with Dr. Ron Hager, the food uh, or the health evangelist. He's the death preventer. He will keep you out of death's harm. He's a great guy, and he's going to enlighten us straight ahead. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. for a miracle put your hands together folks it's time to uh, welcome our health evangelist dr ron hager joins us he's an associate professor of exercise sciences in the college of life sciences right here on brigham young university's campus and uh, is an expert in chronic disease prevention his goal is to help us live longer 
healthy, ha- healthier, happier lives. Hello, Ron. Welcome to the show. It's good to be back. Good to have you back. Thanks. You look great. By the way, I was walking down by the tennis courts a while ago, saw you playing tennis. Oh, did you? You have great form. <laughs> Thanks. You really are a great tennis player. Yeah, I try. I mean, and you're, you're just very efficient. Well, thanks. You know? Yeah. I, it's, it's, it was impressive. I was going to yell, but I didn't want to. The older you get, the more efficient you have to be. No, totally. <laughs> yeah. I, in fact, by the way, I played tennis Saturday, and uh, I didn't tighten my shoes enough. Right. And you do a lot of lateral movement on, in tennis, sure. and I, I fell. Oh, you fell. I thought you were going to say you came right out of your shoes. You were moving. I, I mo- almost did. M- moving so fast. But I actually fell, and then my wife <laughs> hit a passing shot to beat me. <laughs> And then she laughed at me. It's a good time to hit a passing shot when your opponent's I know, laying on down. the court. And she said, why are you on the ground? And I'm like, I don't know. So you could hit a passing shot. That's right. Yeah. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> um, and then I have to explain. And then my wife always asks the same question. Why? Why are you, do- why are you the- doing that? What are you doing? What do you- how do you answer that? Well, I'm an idiot and I didn't tie my shoes. And why are you asking Well, that's why? the honest answer. That's right. And you didn't tie your shoes because you didn't think you needed to because yeah. you were just playing your wife. Yeah, I was just – but she's good. She's dang good. So talk to us, Dr. Ron. Uh, one of the things I've noticed a lot is more and more people are claiming food allergies or yeah. <laughs> like like dietary needs. Do you remember back 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 in the day, there wasn't a lot of uh, – people didn't alter everything for your dietary need. Sure. I mean, maybe with a kosher meal, maybe for like a religious dietary need. But now gluten, you know, there's so many things now that we might be allergic to. Yeah, MSG. That's MSG a big one. is a big one. Yeah. You know, that makes people feel everything from bloated to itchy to whatever. Irritable. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Bowel. Yeah. You know, if you talk to anybody, but, but not just like a, a consumer or a parent, you know, if you ask the average person or say a parent, you know, do you think food allergies are on the rise? Most of them would probably say yes. Yeah. And a lot of. Uh, healthcare professionals would say that too. The people actually treating, you know, people who come in, parent brings their child in because, you know, they have hives after they ate something. Um, you know, that that actually may or may not uh, be an allergy. So, so some experts say we don't know if food allergies are actually on know. the rise. But a lot of that has to do with, I guess, more of the science of allergies and and how an, a true allergy is defined. Yeah. And and there is some overlap between, say, like an intolerance to food. Some of the symptoms of that and the symptoms of true allergies actually overlap. So, hmm. so there may be just some confusion. Like I like I've had a banana that. that bananas make my throat itch. Yeah, but not enough to stop me. Okay, well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like I'll still eat them, and then yeah. So maybe you have a little bit of an intolerance. Yeah, but not necessarily an allergy. An allergy usually is not life threatening. Um, but it but it can result in like a person breaking out in hives, or there may be a little bit of swelling, or maybe some uh, you know intestinal problems. Uh, but sometimes you know intestinal problems can just be caused by something that doesn't sit right with yeah. you. So it's not necessarily an allergy. So some people maybe have uh, like a, like a gluten intolerance. Now if you're if you if you're celiac, you know that that could be life threatening. Yeah, it's a big deal. But other people. Uh, another one is lactose, so mm-hmm. the the kind of sugar that's in milk. Uh, some people have trouble digesting that, and so they they might have some gastrointestinal distress, and they say, "Oh, I'm allergic to milk." Yeah, not an allergy. No, it's not really an allergy; it's an intolerance, um, and and they they they're handled differently as well. Uh, but like I said, a lot of even people who treat uh, allergic conditions say that food allergies are on the rise. But there was a there was a publication that just came out 
um, it was uh, it, it's a, a publication called uh, Finding a Path to Safety in Food Allergy. It was published this year, 2017, by the National Academies of Sciences. Um, it's 574 pages long. Wow, who's going to read that? <laughs> yeah, so, so that's probably, why we probably nobody. You do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually allergic to books like that. Um, anyway, and and in in there they they do talk about that um, this idea that we don't really know if food allergies are on the rise or not because the studies that are being done, uh, for one thing, they use different methods and there's some variability in how they're collecting their data. But for another thing. There's uh, there's not really a good, I guess, uh, standard or a good diagnostic tool for allergies. There's a couple of different things that are common, like uh, you know, like the skin test. Yeah. But you can also do sometimes a blood test. Uh, probably the gold standard is actually called a. It's just like a uh, like an oral tolerance test where you take it where you actually you know a doctor gives you a little bit of a certain peanut. kind of food, a yeah. peanut or whatever. Of course you're. You're you're in a medical facility, so if you do have an anaphylactic reaction, which can be life threatening, uh, they're right there. Then they're right there, you know, to treat you usually with something like epinephrine. Um, but yeah, so that, that's that that's kind of the gold standard. It's like, okay, what food do you think you're allergic to? In a kind of a controlled, safe environment, let's give it to you. If there's no reaction, then they give you a little more. And if there's no reaction, they give you a little more, all hmm. the way up to my, what be considered like a full serving size. Wow. And, you know, to see how you respond. And then, and then um, can you actually move uh, an allergy into the field, into the area of an intolerance? Yeah, you might be able to. So with, with an explanation, you know, parents oftentimes are a little, I, I don't want to say they're overly sensitive to, you know, how their children's health is, but oftentimes, you know, they... They they do kind of heighten or exaggerate, you know, what might actually be happening. And that that that's, can still be a good thing right. because, you know, if you're concerned about your child's health, it's a good idea to get them checked out. And better avoid it than, you know, yeah. play with their throat closing. Yeah. yeah, I have a friend who's a pediatrician. I remember he said to me once that uh, that the kind of the saying among pediatricians when a when a concerned mother brings their sick child in is to uh, hurry up and treat them before they get better. You know, because children are so resilient. So, yeah, so they might actually just be having some kind of an intolerance issue. But it's not a bad idea if they are to still get it checked out right. and find out if it is possibly an allergy. Now, a lot of – I know when I was a young parent, you know, with, with our first child, I always thought it was kind of cool to give my infant son a taste of something that he'd mm-hmm. never tasted before just to see – what he does. You Have know? you ever given him that corn dog nachos from no, Disneyland? No, no, I never did that. I never did that <laughs> with, the, with the jalapenos yeah, on it. Yeah, that would really <laughs> light him up. No, I never did that. But I remember one time I was thinking, you know, I'm going to give him a taste of whatever it was. And my wife saw me and she said, no, don't do that. You know, so she kind of stopped me. And she had the, you know, the wisdom of a mother that, you know, in infancy, there are certain things you don't give. Yeah, like a candy bar. An infant because, well, chocolate. I mean, like, I, I think chocolate is something. Yeah, something like peanut, that. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe peanut butter. Uh, because the idea is, you know, their gut has not matured enough mm. or developed enough uh, to digest certain kinds of things, particularly proteins. Yeah. Um, but but the there, there's, a, there's kind of a, a new approach to this based on a study that also just came out. Uh, some researchers... Uh, followed over 2,000 infants hmm. uh, for two years and uh, 
of course, this was an observational study. They weren't doing anything experimental. But what they were finding is that um, parents who introduced uh, potentially uh, allergenic foods to their children, you know, after about four to six months, you know, up to four to six months, you know, the the, the real uh, recommendation is to be breastfed. Yeah, mother's milk. And- yeah. Yeah, and you know, and if that's not a possibility, then a a good quality infant formula that's not, you know, based on cow's milk proteins or something like that. <clears throat> and but what they found is that uh, potentially, you know, the common allergenic foods like eggs, uh, peanuts, um, uh, you know, milk, uh, after four to six months children who had been exposed to those things were less likely to have huh. either food intolerances yeah. or food allergies later on. In fact, uh, the, the the results of this study, so, so they collected data at 3, 6, 12, 18, and 24 months, uh, and, and they did this to determine the timing of the introduction of like cow's milk products, so cheese, yogurt, and milk, uh, eggs, uh, and peanuts. And at one year, then the infants underwent a skin prick test. Where that's one of the common test to yeah. do to test for allergies. And the results showed that uh, that delaying exposure to these foods beyond one year. So that's kind of a, a marker for a lot of parents. They say, well, no, no, you can't have any of this until after hmm. you're a year old. Uh, what they found is that when, when, when there was a, a delay to the exposure of cow's milk products, egg whites, or peanuts, uh, the odds of becoming sensitive to those foods went up dramatically. So for cow's milk product, it was 3.69 or about... Oh, wow. Uh, so, so over three time, over three and a half times more likely to become sensitive to cow's milk products if you if your, your first exposure occurred after a year. a year old. Egg whites was almost two times was the odds ratio or the, the likelihood of becoming sensitive. And peanuts, about one and three quarter times wow. higher, higher risk. So they're saying that... Uh, you know, one of their one of their recommendations or conclusions of this study uh, was that the avoidance of these potentially allergenic foods during the first year of life may actually increase the odds of being sensitive to those foods later in life. And so they're saying, you know, you might want to try introducing some of these foods after four to six months. Huh. Um, and then there's a you know there are some recommendations that are out there too. We can talk about those uh, as well. I guess when you look at this, um, but what's going on? Is it just that we're hearing more about celiac? Or we, are we hearing more about gluten? Are we hearing more about some of these? Uh, you know, I keep you hear more and more, and I, I guess they're probably just people trying to sell you stuff. Like yeah. you got to, you know, you got to. What's it called? Um, the there's something you put for to redo your stomach. Oh, the, like 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 the probiotics. Yeah, the and, probiotics, yeah. and I mean, who do we believe anymore? Well, you know, there's a lot of really good new research out on this whole idea of what they call your gut flora. Yeah, you know, you have you have a, a need for, I guess, what you might call healthy bacteria, for example, in your gut mm-hmm. that actually facilitates, uh, you know, good health. Um, one of the one of the things that's not actually recognized as a as a medical condition, I think that it will likely be recognized as medical condition in the future is something called leaky gut syndrome. Yeah. And this is where... I think Jeff had it. Yeah. And this is where uh, where foods don't digest completely and and particularly proteins that are 
that are not broken down into their amino acid uh, forms, they, they can be incompletely digested proteins, and huh. they can leak through the gut, get into the bloodstream, and and wow. the, and the immune system sees them as some kind of like a, a threat, like a threat or a foreign object in your body, and it and it initiates an immune response. Ah, and it can actually shut uh, you down. Link it, it, it's actually been linked possibly to uh, development of autoimmune disorders. So, for example. Uh, and this is a, you know, so we just talked about the study, you know, saying that, hey, maybe we're overreacting to this whole idea of giving infants certain kinds of foods. But I do want to just, you know, emphasize and mention again that, you know, this is observational research that's fairly short term. Yeah. You know, we don't really know more or understand the long term prospects. So in light of what I just said about the, this most recent 2017 study, I also wanted to make you aware of a couple of studies, one done in 1996 in the Journal of Molecular Medicine and one in 1993 in the journal Diabetes, researchers found that genetically susceptible children, now genetically susceptible to, di- to becoming type 1 diabetic. Okay, so, so mom or dad or someone in the gene pool. Yeah, yeah it has it. it that these children, if they're weaned too early on the cow's milk, had 13 times greater risk of becoming diabetic. Holy cow. Yeah, so so we've known this for decades. Yeah. You know, but again, that too is also observational research. So it's but, correlational. But this goes to your point that and you've made every week on the show that you're on is that diet matters. Sure, diet matters and 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 the, there's no one, one right diet no, for, right. for everybody. You have to figure it out. Sure, you got to figure it out. Um and, and then just uh, you know, j- just quickly to answer your question, so what do you do? Uh, you know, obviously, you have to spend some time doing your own research and trying to figure things out for yourself. But uh, like, like I was saying, there's some really great research coming out now on this whole idea of how your your gut health can impact your whole body cells. Yeah. So it really can make a difference, the things you stick in your mouth. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's crazy that we've gotten to an almost unconscious point of thinking that if it's called food— it that's can't. Right. It, it's it, good. It's clean. Yeah. It's going to be good for you. And it can't hurt us. Yeah. And that's just that's, not true. Let's take a break and come back and talk about that. We're speaking with Dr. Ron Hager, the health evangelist. He's walking us through food allergies and uh, the need to be careful for what you really do put in your mouth. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. We're back uh, in Health Church with the health evangelist, Dr. Ron Hager, who is bringing us uh, back to health. He, he used to be the, um, what do we call him, the death preventer, but we thought that was such a negative title that we called right. him instead the health evangelist. <laughs> and today he's teaching us about food allergies and how important it is to be careful what you put in your mouth because there are allergies, but there are there is some research. It's all right now observational. Mm-hmm. We we need more testing, better testing. But sure. one of the things they're finding out is, you know, what how you how you what you eat as a child early on can play a really big role long term about your allergies. Yeah, yeah. And there's a there's another organization out there called the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, or AAAAI for short. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't seem very short. <laughs> no, but they also give some recommendations. Uh, they're they're mostly a medical community. Uh, but there's obviously, you know, some research going on with that organization as well. 
And they, they also are recognizing some of the latest research that's coming out showing that delaying exposure to certain foods may actually increase risk of becoming intolerant or allergic mm. to kinds of foods. So they're, they're saying that delaying foods like uh, dairy, eggs, peanuts, and fish or other kinds of tree nuts after the infant's first birthday um, you know, may, may actually be counterproductive. And they're, 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 they're recognizing the recent evidence that you know, is indicating no, no reason to delay introduction beyond, beyond about four to six months. Um, now, uh, they, they, they point out that there are foods that are considered highly uh, allergenic, uh, but you know, and those are the ones I mentioned, like dairy, egg, soy, wheat, peanuts, those kinds of things. But they're saying that they can be introduced to your baby between four and six months of age. You just, uh, you know, just as you would introduce any other new food. So yeah. it's not like you're pulling them off everything and saying, all right, you're on a total tree nut diet Pine from nuts. here on out. Pine nuts. Sure. <laughs> uh, sure. So so they give some recommendations. Um, you know, they, they say that, uh, you know, you introduce these kinds of foods to your baby uh, after other solid foods have been fed and tolerated as well. You know, the ones that are a little more acceptable, yeah. like, uh, you know, like, Orange mushy things, you know. Right. Uh, you know all the little jars of stuff. Sweet potatoes, one that you know tends to be fairly common. Uh, and 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 they recommend giving the first taste at home, you know, not like in a restaurant or something. So you kind of know it, where what, it came what, from, where it yeah. came from, what all the ingredients are, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. And if no reaction occurs, uh, now you know you're just given a taste. You know, but I wonder if that's the problem, is more and more parents are maybe afraid to let them try and test stuff. Well, you know, that, that's an issue, too. I mentioned the story of my wife, you know, and I said, well, how do you, how do you know that? And she says, well, my mother taught me that yeah. or whatever. Or she kind of acted like this is what all mothers know. Great, great grandma taught and, us that. And whether you want to consider it, you know, kind of a tradition or even an old wives tale, you know, whatever you want to call it, those things can be uh, – pretty firm in a yeah. person's mind. I mean, they, they they can have a hard time getting past that. But you, you, there is this neat thing called Google. Yeah. yeah. And you can go to the sites like the one AAAIA and yeah. you can see if it is something that should right. be worried about. So they suggest if, if you if you do give your baby, you know, one of these potentially allergenic foods as a taste and you wait a little while and if nothing happens, then you can gradually increase the amount and the rate of about one new food every three to five days. Hmm. Okay. But... Um, but you know a baby can develop an allergy and you need to be aware of the you know the symptoms of that some of the most common are uh, swelling lips uh a, a rash or a difficulty breathing yeah you know those, that's and, the scary and one. the difficulty breathing you know that that one can be fairly serious and uh and and also recognize that allergies tend to run in families yeah okay so if a sibling or one or both parents have an allergy, then you might not want to say, hey, let's just, you know, we all know where everybody else in the family is allergic to nuts, but let's just see if our baby, you know, yeah. use some common sense and say, you know, uh, bah, bah, you know, the baby but might you, be allergic it makes to sense nuts if, too. It makes sense if somebody is allergic, like mom or dad, they may not introduce peanuts. Like at our house, peanut butter is a, a staple. Right. And everyone's, so if, if anyone, if any one of my kids had a peanut allergy, they would either be dead or they would have outgrown it <laughs> Yeah, just because yeah. there's peanut oil everywhere. Now, that's another – you mentioned outgrowing things. These food intolerances that we've mentioned, a lot of times it's – you become intolerant sometimes through overexposure. Mm. And that's not uncommon in current diet True, practices, huh? yeah. you know, because we – you know, things are so highly refined and highly processed, uh, you know, that, that we eat a diet like that. We can be – 
We can be overexposed to and something. And not even know it. And not even know it. So we develop this intolerance, and many times people can back off of something. Like let's say they have a, a gluten intolerance or a lactose intolerance. They can back off of it, maybe even eliminate it for a while, introduce it slowly sometime later, and find that they're okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So there are ways around it. Sure. Uh, well, Dr. Ron, we appreciate you. This is great insight. And um, I know, aren't you going soon to go do the St. Yeah. George? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm heading down there. I've got about, so far, about 70 students we're taking down to the Huntsman Senior Games to do health screenings so down cool. there. They'll be over. 10,500 athletes down there. I always love it when you come back because uh, you have incredible stories. And when I come back, I'll tell you some stories. Awesome. Dr. Ron Hager is his name, Associate Professor of Exercise Sciences in the College of Life Sciences right here at BYU. We'll be back with our friends from BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back, friends. It's time to go visit our good brethren at BYU Sports Nation and uh, find out what's coming up on their show in about 11 minutes. Hello, Spencer and Jerem. Hey, thanks for that introductory music. We started uh, just shaking our shoulders randomly, like, (laughs) to the side with our Uh, hands. What is that musical instrument that sounds like a whistle with a spinning? Yeah, what is that? That's called the... I don't remember. It has a name, and there's that one guy... dollar store. (laughs) There's that one guy in the orchestra that plays it. You know, like Jimmy. He's the least capable. Yeah. It reminds me of old timey television with that, with some dude in front of a microphone with like different tools, <laughs> right? Yes. Right, making, making or- sound effects. Original, original Foley work. <laughs> Matt Foley. We need, work. we need more. What was it? We need more harmonica. No, what was the? What's the? What's the Saturday Night Live? More story? cowbell. We more need cowbell. more cowbell. <laughs> love it. Hey guys, uh, question for you: a little food choice for you because I know you guys love vittles. Um, here's the deal. Where is it? Okay. Disneyland has, uh, like nachos, but instead of nachos, you can get, um, corn dogs cut in half that act as the chips and then you smother it in nacho coverings. Okay. So would you rather have that or a DiGiorno pizza covered in candy corn and then cooked and melted into one sugary loaf of love? No. I would, I would definitely opt for the first one. You'd go with the nachos, the yeah, corn dog yes. nachos. Yes. Yes. I'm not a candy corn guy. Neither I'm not either. No. I, I. You know what? I think, Jerem, nobody is really my a candy corn. My wife loves candy corn. Does she? So this is my child. So we go to this candy it's shop the sugar. in San Francisco over the weekend. Yeah. And we have all these amazing choices, right? And my little kid's like, yeah, candy corn. <laughs> You're like, no. <laughs> I was like, no. wait, cheaper. <laughs> That's easy. Did I walk out of there spending 38 bucks? Maybe. You could have bought totally it at a Walgreens. Right? Memories, hey, I'm told. Do you guys want to, but if you ate the corn dog nachos at Disneyland, would you really want to go on the teacup ride with somebody that just ate those? Oh, no. Thank you. Nothing worse. I don't want to go on the teacup ride, period. Period. I know. It's embarrassing because it's fast well, enough that you can, like, yeah. you lose control of yourself. But it's slow enough that everyone control. can watch you. I don't have control of myself, period. That's a good point. Yeah. It's a really good point. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Hey, what do you think about Mello going to OKC? They it's call be, me Mello Yellow. I can't wait for them to be the three seed and bow out in the second round. Really? <laughs> wow. They're not challenging the Warriors. I know, but like they, they're now they're building all these mega teams. Yes. Well, well, here's, well guess here's what? The this thing. is a one-year thing. Oh. They, they have three players that averaged more time with the ball in isolation 
yeah. than like any other player in the NBA. It's like they all need game. the ball by themselves yeah. to be good. Do you think anyone it's, it's will not pass? Work well, I think it's going to have a fight by about the tenth game. Whoever, all three of them are run. The other team makes a basket. All three of them are running to the baseline to get the basketball. <laughs> first one to get it gets the ball. <laughs> That's going to be the race. Who can get to the baseline first? Well, you yeah. took a shot last time, so it's my turn. Pass that. <laughs> Russell Westbrook's like, I am, I am the MVP of the league. Do you guys know who I am? It's going to be, it seems frustrating to the rest of the teams that, like maybe the Jazz, that aren't picking up all of these, you know, premier players. Well, there's a cultural divide there that separates the Jazz in many ways. Yeah. What what a list free agent wants to come and live in Salt Lake? Like you, that's that's a huge reality. But like I mean, many would say OKC is the same way. True, but they have Russell Westbrook. That's true. And Paul George are they living what? with this Russell? Is the last, last year of his contract, he's going to the Lakers in all likelihood after this year. That's true. And Russell Westbrook could potentially follow him. Oh, brother! And Melo could go elsewhere. Like it's this is not a long. The Lakers game. could have LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, and Paul George next year. Yeah, not a joke. Not to mention their young core of interesting yes side pieces. Wow! Not to mention that you know they have all the movie stars on the sidelines. Wow! Some people have it all. Well, they haven't in the last couple of years, but they might be able yeah, to. Yeah, they might get them back. Maybe the Clippers will send them back over. <laughs> Hey, um, anyway, what's uh, what's going on with your show? What's coming up? Uh, first of all, no coaches allowed today. Really? No coaches. Nope. nope. Players only meeting. Uh-oh. That's For BYU gay. football and for BYU Sports Nation. Really? Are that, you guys having really, one too? That really happened on Monday. Okay. But you're what, talking about it today. What was said in their own words. <gasps> awesome. Yeah. You've got the scoop. Wh- who said what? And why? And why does it matter? And will it even make an impact on the field? Mm. Yes! Plus, we have the head coach of Utah State, Matthew Wells. Cool. We'll ask him if Chucky Keaton is going to play. Yeah, please. <laughs> Who graduated three years ago. <laughs> how, about that guy that, how about the guy that was the ankle breaker? The guy that kept breaking everyone's oh. ankles. Oh. Why did you bring him up? Is he, he's Public not, enemy number one is for he still, Brian Jordan. Sweet. Is he still on the team? Brian, more like Brian Sauer. Sour, if you no. know what I mean. Uh, yeah, he injured Taysmill twice, so he's yeah, Ugh. he's not allowed on. Campus. Okay, good, good, good. Training order. Yeah, good. Okay, anything else on the show? Ninth ranked BYU women's volleyball. It's a super super Tuesday. They have a match tonight. We're going to talk to Cozy Burnett. Oh, Let's get cozy. cozy. Sounds good. Okay, guys, that's a great show. Lined up, locked and loaded. And today we even got to hear we got to hear uh, Spencer sing. Um, Mellow Yellow. Is that the name of the song? Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. Brought me to tears. Four and a half minutes, folks. You will be able to enjoy the sounds, the excitement of uh, BYU Sports Nation. What a great honor. Um, by the way, we've got, i got to tell you about this gutsy raccoon uh, that we, we teased earlier. Cheeky raccoon. Yeah. Cheeky. Cheeky. I wonder why. Maybe his cheek got stuck in the uh, windshield wipers. <laughs> but uh, it was, this was Wednesday night. The critter jumped onto a Colorado Springs Police Department vehicle's windshield as the officer behind the wheel was headed to the scene of a serious car crash. Oh, boy. The officer was positively surprised positively, yeah. mm-hmm. at his unexpected passenger. The department wrote on Facebook, the raccoon then safely hopped off the vehicle and fled the scene. Oh. I think he was just hitching a ride. 
just hitching a ride. You know, cute little, again, raccoon. Get off my car. The guy's in a hurry. The sirens didn't scare him. That's where you have to just slam on the brakes really fast, <laughs> and he'll fly off. And then all of a sudden, you've got roadkill. Uh, no, you don't have to drive. Just It'll just fly off. You don't have to be going 90, just 20. That's how I got my raccoon off my car and my skunk and my porcupine. Um, hey, our hero story, great story that uh, really tells you about the importance, I think, of, of a life. The heroic uh, person um, that we're celebrating today is a, a new groom. And on the day of his his nuptials, Canadian newlyweds Clayton and Brittany Cook were posing for photos in a park in Kitchener, Ontario, after the ceremony on Friday, when Clayton noticed a young boy struggling to swim in the park's pond. He promptly, listen to this, in his suit, jumped into the water over this uh, over like a ledge and helped the boy get out. There's pictures of it where the groom has his corsage, he has his suit, and he's standing about waist deep in water, pulling a boy out. A group of kids had been following the couple around as they were taking their pictures in Victoria Park, uh, uh, Brittany told the Huffington Post. Neither she nor Hat noticed that one boy had fallen into the water until Clayton all of a sudden springs into action, runs over, pulls the boy out, and saves the day. Of course, ruined a suit probably. But uh, the value of a life, and so he is the hero of the day. And that hopefully brings you some hope. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back again tomorrow. BYU Sports Nation, up next.